it's 2020. Let's rock. This is Game Shows, I suppose. my party horn happy new year everybody welcome to the snitch podcast about the one thing that i know something about game shows i suppose we're in 2020 and i'm your host jordan haas and we're still talking about game shows in the new decade hi everybody it's new year's day 2020 and i just gotta before we get to the show i just want to say new year's day is my favorite day of the year because Unlike a lot of holidays like like Halloween or Christmas or Valentine's Day or Fourth of July, there really isn't a uh, routine that you have to follow. There is no like trick or treating on New Year's Day. There's no like gift exchange that you can do because it's not Christmas. It's New Year's. It really is the versatile holiday that I love because it could be anything you want it to be. You want to celebrate by sleeping in. Go for it. That's why I love this day. It's a day where you can celebrate sleeping in. Unless, of course, you work New Year's Day, in which case I am sorry. But, hey, this is a great episode. I wanted to start 2020 right, and I decided I wanted to take the viewer request. What is some of the game shows people really wanted to talk about this year that we never got around to? So to start it right, 2020 off right, and probably just go on a steady decline every week after. Uh, we are going to be talking about the one and only Legends of the Hidden Temple. It, it's that or it, it's it's uh, Supermarket Sleep. That's usually the two that I always get talked about. And I'm excited to talk about that today. Uh, I was going to do a news segment today, but the last couple of weeks there hasn't been news. So, unfortunately... We're not going to be having a news segment, but in its place, we'll be having the schedule. And that starts right now. Alrighty, well, it's time to give the big list. This is from Deadline Hollywood of all of the shows to expect in the first quarter of 2020. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, this is also courtesy of our friends at Game Show Newsnet. If you want some news about game shows and you don't want me yelling at press releases, Game Show Newsnet is the go-to source. Now, uh, 23rd had the Food Network Challenge debut. Uh, the 29th, which was a couple of days ago, was Flirty Dancing. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a show. I guess it's a game show. I should probably review it sometime. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah. Today, March, the beginning of the circle. More on that later. Uh, the second, Swagbox Live starts. Uh, the third has HQ Season 13. Mm. January 5th sees the debut of Worst Cooks in America Season 18 on the Food Network. 
January 6th is the premiere of Get a Clue on Game Show Network, as well as the debut of America's Got Talent, colon, The Champions, colon, season two on NBC, as well as the 24th season of The Bachelor, as well as Kids Baking Championship, colon, season eight, also on the Food Network. The seventh sees season three's debut of Ellen's Game of Games. Watch Ellen murder people live on stage for your entertainment. Also, we'll see the debut of Jeopardy! Colon, the greatest of all time on ABC. And on VH1, Nick Cannon presents Wild and Out Season 14. The improv game show is back. On the 7th, Ink Master, colon, Turf War on the Paramount Channel. On January 8th, America's Top Dog on A&E. On January 10th, Netflix sees the debut of Season 2 of Zumbo's Just Desserts. January 20th, Bravo introduces the brand new spy tingling game show, Spy Games. January 24th, we see Adam Conover play the world of Maze Master as he introduces families into four distinct zones to play games for crystals in the Crystal Maze. January 29th, Netflix introduces their new fashion design game show, Next in Fashion. Who will be the next trend in fashion design? February 2nd sees Season 3 of The Masked Singer. Who is behind the banana costume? Wait and see. On February 3rd, Girl Scout Cookie Championship debuts on the Food Network. And then on February 5th, Lego Masters on Fox featuring Lego Batman himself. Will Arnett going, oh, that's a good design. Uh, I can't believe you thought of that. And then February 12th, hope you didn't get enough Survivor, because Survivor Season 40 debuts on CBS. I was trying to do my, uh, my best Jeff Probst there. It's Survivor Season 40 on CBS. Uh, but maybe you would rather hang out with one Ryan Seacrest, and you can February 16th, right after Valentine's Day, with American Idol. Wow, 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 on ABC. I don't know if Katy Perry is still on there or not, but American Idol, it's back. And if you want another singing competition show, maybe one that some might say is a better version of said singing show, The Voice, colon, season 18, is back on NBC. Then we enter March, or past my birthday, and we see Top Chef, colon, season 17 on Bravo. What's up, Padma? And then also in March, the season two debut of Supermarket Stakeout on the Food Network and Buddy vs. Duff, colon, season something. It doesn't say which season. Also coming soon, but they have no premiere date, is most likely for a mid-season debut, Ultimate Tag on Fox, which I saw like during like April, so it's almost a full year since it recorded, and The Amazing Race, season 32. Personally, I'm not really going to watch a lot of those shows. If I'm going to be honest, I'm not really going to watch a lot of these shows. But this is in the library of game shows. Rather, it's your mobile quiz games or your cooking variety shows. But some of them do intrigue me, such as Greatest of All Time on Jeopardy and Game of Games and Lego Masters. That there is something for everybody, but I, you already know by now what I'm going to be excited for.
sorry. Uh, hmm. You know, I it, before we get to today's episode, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Normally, I have a like a little script written out here talking about the history of Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, because that's usually how I do these things. But I wanted to start the year off with just like a free form thought process, just somewhat just discussion of the show. Just between you and me, the audience here. I, I mean, like, I like Legends of Hidden Temple, and we are going to be talking about this, but it, it was one of the most popular requested shows to talk about when I was starting this podcast. Is Legends! We got to talk about Legends! And I really wanted to hold off for a bit, because for starters, I think Legends is one of those primary shows where you have to really have a step-by-step basis for because you have things like Funhouse that's that paved a way to Legends. And then you have the other shows that have come afterwards, such as Paradise Run and The Mole, also by Stone Productions. That to do Legends kind of feels like that's the finale. And to start that with what essentially is the start of year two, this is 2020 of game shows, I suppose, it's kind of... Eh, I don't know if this is the right time but I feel like if we're going to do it at any point during this year, it should either be the end of the year or right now. And I figure enough is enough. We should definitely be talking about this show. I, I, I'm trying to figure out why people are nostalgic for the show. That is the one thing that I still can't figure out here. I don't know if it's because that sense of adventure that the show like put into kids I don't know if it was the world building that the kids used their imagination for when it came to the show. I do not know if it's just because of a giant Olmec puppet, but it is something. And I really still do not know why people love Legends of the Hidden Temple so much. I think it's just giving that kid that sense of adventure. And that is that kind of aspiration that you didn't really see back in the 90s. And this is a kid's game show where I think they didn't really treat them like kids. They treat them like adults, mostly, uh, in this weird world of like mystical rooms and treasures and temple guards. And it has a cult-like status. And if anything, I think by doing this episode, we can at least bring back that nostalgia for Legends of the Hidden Temple, just for a little bit. Bring back your little childhood dreams and wonder why we liked it in the first place and maybe just discover once again why game shows are actually in the mainstream and is something that we should actually celebrate rather than just push aside and kick to the corner because things like this this show right here legends is one of the greatest game shows of our generation and it's time that we bring it back well, not, not like bring it back like Quibi. I mean, like bring it back into the discussion. Bring it back into the topics. Bring back it in a positive light. And that's why we're going to have a great episode today with my friend Josh. And instead of turning the tables, as I said last year, we're starting the new catchphrase, which is just saying something from the show. Let's lower the temple gates. With me on the line is one of the hosts of the Game Show Fans podcast with Danny and Josh. Josh. Yeah, it's me again. I'm back. Woohoo. All right. Thanks for having me back on, man. 
uh, Josh, the fun, you know, that episode we did with Takeshi's Castle I, uh, was a lot of fun. I know, right? And uh, we did all that Takeshi's, but I got so much more Takeshi's Castle stuff we can talk about. Thanks. I know you really wanted to do another Takeshi's Castle episode, and I've got all this great new Takeshi's Castle info we can talk uh, well, about on the show. Well, jo- Josh, well, uh, no, no, I invited you here. Takeshi's for... Castle, right? Uh, well, I mean, you not doing Takeshi's maybe... Castle, are we? No. Um, oh. And... So what are we doing? Like, like it's your chance of a lifetime, or 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 blockbusters, or something like that. What are we doing? No, we, we'll be doing another one of these uh, cult game shows. We'll be doing Legends of the Hidden Temple today. <gasps> oh my god! 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 The iconic 90s game show, familiar with kids from the 90s, and that's a, a token of the 90s. If you don't remember Nickelodeon from the 90s, you don't remember Legends of the Hidden Temple. The iconic game show that most people say, I want to talk about. I want to do the Legends episode. I want to talk about the Legends episode. Why are you going to talk about the Legends of the Hidden Temple, Jordan? Oh, what are you going to talk about the Legends of the Hidden Temple, Jordan? Legends, Jordan. I want to do the Legends episode. Well, no, no, no. No, no, no. I save it for a good friend of mine named Josh. He was here from the beginning. He wanted to cover it, and you wouldn't let me cover it. And now he's going to cover it because he knows just as much about Legends as he does about Takeshi's Castle. Jordan is just angry because Legends got one more season than Get the Picture did. He really wanted Get the Picture to get the legacy that Legends got. I just like when they do the power surge and the guy in the jacket shows up and then lifts the little like handle, and that's it. That's his whole job. Uh- I'm just a stagehand, just ignore me. Like, I'm, I'm always disappointed they didn't put like a mechanism in to move it up and down, like mechanically. But I guess, I guess it was just fine just having some guy open and close the lever. Because <laughs> again, it's like a power switch. It's really, it's a real clever show, real high tech. But uh, no, no, Legends of the Hidden Temple. I, I think everyone argues is like the people say that's the best kids game show, and I mean they're not wrong in in some regards. Uh, Mojo, which I don't normally agree with, did a list. Uh, what you shouldn't give Watch Mojo the amount of credit that I'm about to give it now, but I will give them credit. They did a list of top ten greatest kids game shows of all time, and I was shocked that they put uh, Legends in the number one spot. Usually, they would put most people. Wouldn't most people say Double Dare? I know that's kind of the stereotypical pop answer now. I mean, a Double Dare. I mean, Fun House, but people forget about Fun House, Finders Keepers, Arcade is another Keepers. one. Probably has anyone booked Nick Arcade yet? I'm not going to be the yes, one to do it. Yes, I'm. I, I'm saving that for a game journalist. Okay, I think you need to get the rink knows more about that than anybody. Hi, Ryan. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Again, but Legends is the best. Is there? It's undisputed in my opinion. Sorry, uh, people who. Sorry, guy who wrote the slimed. But did you read the slimed? The the oral history. I have, and you know, I I didn't. I liked it when the first read through because, like, oh, here's Phil Moore talking, and here's Mark Summers, and it's like after like the second and third read through, it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of like a real scummy kind of book. I kept waiting for. Yeah, I agree. It's like well, and also they put way too much gravity on some things. Like, oh, can you believe we had a? I don't know. That's a different debate for a different day, but I just was sitting there with bated breath waiting for like, oh my God, when is the legend? Here comes the legend segment. No, 
There was no, no nothing and here comes legends. the legends chapter. No, you got there was it. one mention of the show, one mention of legends, and that was because oh, we now have the studio, so we can do Clarissa in stage one and legends in stage two. But, but Roundhouse gets like three chapters, you know, everyone's just clamoring so. for the Roundhouse discussion here. I feel horrible if like some of the cast of Roundhouse are listening to this, but come on, let's be serious. Legends was much more iconic. I mean, like uh, Roundhouse kind of was like, oh, po- oh boy, they can do sketches and sing, and then like all that showed up and just totally ate their lunch. So yeah, I'm sure this won't end up in the final cut, but I was never a fan of you can't do that on television. You you're, you don't like a Canadian television with the skits being kind of weird fetishes and. <laughs> Well, I I just remember like I didn't see it as a kid. You got I, mean, I was born in the, I was born in 1991. So I so the stuff I saw was the stuff Nickelodeon was rerunning in 1995. They weren't rerunning uh, that show in 95, or if they were, it was on at like three in the morning, which I obviously wasn't going to see it at three in the morning pre DVR. And so for years, I heard about this mythic you can't do that on television, and I'm like, wow, I got to see this one day. And then I finally saw it like age 16. I'm like. That was the show? This was the big epic epoch of Nickelodeon? Pointed. It really it really is not that good of a show. <laughs> Sorry, anyone from the 80s are like, oh no, my childhood. Come on. You, 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 there was better yeah. cartoons. Go watch some cartoons. You didn't have to watch the bad sketch comedy show. Watch Doug or Rocco. Yeah, like, or, like the animation. At least the animation had a good chunk in that book. Mr. Wizard. Didn't even get a mention, which shocked me. Um, Wizard, uh, Eureka's Castle didn't get one. No, Eureka's Castle. Uh, hey Arnold doesn't really get mentioned. The only reason it gets mentioned is because Craig Bartlett worked on Rugrats, and there was a section dedicated to Rugrats. And then didn't really bring up much about Ren Stimpy. And then John K. being allegedly crazy. Yeah, I said allegedly, so you can't sue me. I, I <laughs> Legends say that Jeff K. once went... <laughs> No. Uh, uh, oh no! I'll tell you about that later. No, that's that's not that's that's before, that's after recording. I guess. But yeah. uh, yes, Legends in yeah. Temple is uh, is a is an adventurous game show. Uh, Stone Stanley uh, created the show, and it's essentially an adventure show like Indiana Jones, but with some of the same games and stunts that you would have normally have seen on Funhouse. Uh, two big inspirations. One is Indiana Jones. The other is Legend of Zelda. That's a good way of looking at it, too. Especially in some of those temple rooms. You got to do some some menial task in order to open a door. That's that's completely from Legends, according to the... Or completely from Legend of Zelda. Uh, Especially to smash the clay pots to find a key. And go on! <laughs> but do we want to cover format? Or are you going to cover the format of the show or the history of the show first? Because I, uh, I don't know as much about this as I knew about Takeshi behind the scenes, but I know some things. I think we should start with format, like for people who have never right. seen the show, and then do history. Because I think that's what it's makes good. it such a longevity show. Okay, it's, absolutely. If you've never seen the show before, and odds are you probably have, um, it, it's a show played with six pairs of contestants, meaning 12 contestants in total. They are divided into six teams of two in, in fun, fun team names like the Red Jaguars. Will it be the Blue Barracudas? The Green Monkeys? Or how about the, what about the Orange Iguanas? The Silver Snakes? The Purple Parrots? Only uh, four can move on to the next round. They have to go through the moat. And how will they do that today, Olmec? Each of you is a rope. 
When Kirk gives the signal, jump out and grab the rope and bring it back to your partner. Then use the rope to swing across the moat. Once you've made it across, throw the rope back to your partner, who will then have to swing across. The first four teams to make it across and hit their gong move on to the next round. All right, teams, are you ready? Ah. Olmec, are you ready? Let's rock. All right, let's go. Dude, dude. Oh, so, so usually the moat is like a pool-based challenge with the teams. They have to go across like an, almost like an Olympic-sized swimming pool by the looks of things. As they and have it's, to... uh, go ahead. And it's basically, it, it format is basically get from one into the other without touching the water. There were different ways per episode. Like they would have, sometimes you would see the same method, but it was usually a different method. So, so one time there was a rope swing. Uh, one time there was like a, remember the bridge from Takeshi's Castle? <laughs> was there volleyballs being shot at to the contestants? Surprisingly, no. There was a bridge. There was one where it was, uh, and then there were some where they had to like work together. There was one where they had a uh, two giant, where they had a lily pad and they both had to stand on the lily pad and, and kind of traverse sort of like ropes together at the same, but like both you and your partner had to make it across. And if either of you fell, you both had to go back to the start. And uh, a clever mechanic, besides the if you hit the water, you go back to start, is that the aesthetic of the show, because it is supposed to be setting like a jungle-y temple that's in studio, is the avert amount of fog. What's funny is there was not a whole lot of fog in season one, other than the aforementioned host, which we'll get to later. Uh, But season two and three is when they really poured on the fog. And we're talking like, holy cow, sometimes like the camera can't even show what's going on. Dude. So, and then, like, at this point, everyone enjoys, like, they pick their favorite team. Some people are like, I want purple parrots, or I want the red jaguars. Uh, and I, what I think is, is what a lot of people mistake for why it's a good show is when Legends starts, like, within the first two minutes, you're already in action, much like Double there. You're already seeing some action going on. You're seeing people jump into water. You're seeing people swing. You're seeing people try and traverse and slam a button. <laughs> like, you know, Survivor, Amazing Race, we got to wait, like, 30 minutes of exposition to learn who these losers are before we can, like, get to the freaking game. Like, all you got to do is say, hey, this team's wearing purple, this team's wearing yellow, this team's wearing green. Yeah, they're not, they're not doing the the introduction of I'm Mike and I'm Kimberly. I like video games and I like arts and crafts. Like you don't get that for all, all of these people. They don't really care. Sorry, Mike and Kimberly. I really do not care that you like video games. I wish you the best of luck in life, but I really don't care. I just want to see you, you know, try to cross this puddle of try to cross this Olympic sized pool of water in some sort of method without touching the water go through the inner tubes do not hit the water that's Uh, so wrong it's it's not and that's why i think it's so good it's the normal like a lot of people kind of like are nostalgic for legends but kind of forget what made it so great and that's one of the first parts when you get your four contestants the first two teams are eliminated from the game there's no there's and there's no like uh, oh we still give you the glory now here's some here's some some consolation prize thanks for playing See you, you won this quick and a melody pop melody pop the only lollipop that whistles always a fifty dollars savings bond from yada yada fifty dollars savings bonds or something something although I, I remember there was one kid uh, who said I read this in an interview she said on the if you watched the episode they said oh you were given we were given crystal some board game. And then, like, three weeks later, Moon Shoes showed up in the mail. 
I don't know if like that was like they sent the wrong thing or something, but that's what I got. So Milton Bradley, <laughs> you could get the Crystal Maze board game, but instead here's Moon Shoes. Hope your ankles are okay at the end. <laughs> See, uh, <laughs> so then we get to our four teams, and we got whittled that four down to two. And the way we do that is through a legend. And Olmec, what is today's legend? Today's legend is. Oh. <laughs> we're not going to say anything because that will spoil any of these episodes. There are episodes of titles, so I'm fine saying the legend of the lost hornpipe of the pirate captain or the legend of the keys to the Alhambra. We just won't say what happens in those episodes, but there's a legend. And this is kind of a cool part because this is the only part of the show that's actually any relevant of educational because they try and tell like a mini story of some person in history, rather United States history or world history. And there's a mix of like geography mixed with history, like what years. And they try to have D. Bradley Baker, who's the voice of Olmec, not just do the Olmec voice, but then try and do like multiple different voices. And at the time, he wasn't this established voiceover artist. He's just some. He was just this guy who I think kind of. They were lucky to get, if we're being honest. He worked at Universal Studios at the time. Like, yeah, the town, which we can get more into that later. I always say that. No, I'm due. But it's always the legend of the adjective noun of proper noun. It's the... Uh, if you, if for your grammar nuts out there. It, it's the elongated uh, blue yeti of Jordan Haas. <laughs> Jordan okay, Haas uh, was a podcaster in 2019, had a podcast about game shows. One day, he decided to go into the Himalayan mountains to try to find the mythical Yeti. No one knew. Wow, I can't wait to... Man, I'm having such a hard time finding this Yeti. I thought he'd be easier to find. That's you, by the way. Uh, that's no, uh, no problem. They don't really ever sound like the people you ever expect. There's one time where it was based on someone who was still alive at the time. And then, like, once the legend, legend is done... Now, apparently, the what you told me before the recording is the legend that we get on air is actually a shorter version of what the contestants get. After the moat crossing... Uh, I, I, this is a little behind the scenes, but I'll get this. So they break, uh, and then the teams are taken to dry off, and they essentially wait for a few hours for other teams to do it, and we'll get into that too. But they give them essentially like a like a much bigger, much like a pamphlet written version of the legend that they have to study. That's important. Basically, it kind of takes its moment from Hitman. Not a lot of people remember, remember Hitman, the Peter Tamarkin game show with the arcade theme Hitman. where they tell a story and then here's questions about the story you just got told. To all of the answers, you just gotta, you just gotta remember the and what made this clever is this is now when you finally see them also in the costume. So they have their little khaki pants. They have the little golden helmet, which I think they still did on the moat. Uh, the Iron helmet, pants, yeah. gloves. It really couldn't get much 90s in mic'd. this. Only one contestant on each team is mic'd because you don't want to save money on microphones. Duh. And what they did is uh, instead of just like a classic hand buzzer, you know, like a bong with the gong. They have these tablets, these little buzzers that are actually, like, on the floor, and they just have to stomp on them. It's teams, each of you is standing on the steps of knowledge. In a minute, Olmec's going to ask you a question. If you think you know the answer, stomp down on the ancient marking in front of you. If you're right, you move down to the next level. But if you're wrong or you run out of time, I'm going to give the other teams a chance to answer. First two teams to make it to the bottom level will be one step closer to Olmec's temple. Jordan went to what mountain range? A, the Himalayas. B, the Alps. Ding. C... Uh, the Andes? That is incorrect. Ding. Himalayas. That is correct. 
Dune, Dune. And that's like, it just continues from that. And uh, as they continued, basically the first three questions moves on. And then the next team has to go through. Uh, Yeah, you got to get three right. But you don't have to get three right in a row. You just got to be the first to get three right. And it lights up. And I I would say that was like one of my favorite things in game shows, which is that, that little buzzer action. I always wondered how that worked. I don't know the full answer. Like, how did they they manipulate that to work? I guess no different than any other game show. But, like, then it becomes on different layers, you know? Oh. Like, I always wondered how you Oh, how you do the, that. the easiest answer, I can answer that quickly, because I, I already know off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, they basically have 12 buzzers. Like, it's a 12-seated buzzer with a lock-in mechanic. So and then it doesn't like- matter where you stand, they're all locked into on. So it's just like okay, they like turn off the previous one and turn on the next one so that they don't so that they register correctly. No, or, that's, or they considered, always on? that's still considered on. It's it's bizarre because oh, wow. <laughs> no one's like going to walk over to the next team's buzzer and stomp on it. They're kind of told to it stay at this weird. one, stay at this little Olmec mark. Yeah. And that's also an, another thing because it's a kids' game show. You know, kids don't really know where to stand. A lot of this is very convenient, where it's just like stand on the Olmec marking. <laughs> At all times, <laughs> Stan, like, there's a couple where, yeah, there's a couple where like Kirk is like trying to finagle the kids into get like in some of the earlier shows where he's trying to finagle them into the right spot, and you can tell, especially when it's at the end and they have their two teams and it's the four and they just start like looking at everyone going, "What do I do now?" And Kirk has just like tr- is trying to do that, stand in the center. All right, these two teams are going to do the temple games. We one step closer to Old Next Temple. So then when we are. <laughs> Blue Barracuda, Silver Snakes, you guys did a great job. You're not going to go away empty-handed. Here's what we got for you. Doon, doon. Skechers. Sneakers and boots. Uh, or uh, or usually that's where you get the melody pop. Uh, not the melody pops. That's when you get usually the board games. Tiger Electronics. The moon shoes or the some sort of some sort of novelty prize that that, wears its, that loses its luster very quickly. The thing that you as a 90s kid would be like, man, this is so cool. I want that. You play it for like maybe two weeks and then you go, oh, I was just okay. I watched a couple episodes with my best friend who hadn't seen them, uh, had never seen the show before. And she was like, oh, man, I want that video game chair. I really I would love to have that 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 uh, toy car or whatever, that remote control ta- car. That I'm like, pool really? table foosball arcade thing. I just all I remember. really was. wanted it. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I wouldn't, I, you know, more power to you if you want it. I mean, it's, it's only 30 bucks. It really was very cheap, even in 90s cash. So then it's, uh, you get to introduce, they go to a commercial break. We get introduced to the two teams now. And now we finally get to understand who are the two teams playing today. Welcome back to Legends. Now the glory goes to the fastest and the strongest. But before we get started, let's learn a little bit more about our teams. On the Purple Parrots, we have Jordan. He's a game show fan who likes to read and write, and someday wants to be a game show producer. And his partner. Let's hear for the Purple Parrots. Yay. And on the Green Monkeys, we have Josh McLeod. He's also a game show fan, and he wants to be an interviewer when he grows up. Let's hear it for the Green Monkeys. Yay. <laughs> In the Temple Games, what are the teams trying to do? They're trying to earn these pendants of life, which kind of act as the score in this game. It's the only game show I can think of that gives away half points. That I think about it. Yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's the only game that gives away half points. Like they win half pendants in the first two games, and then the and then, final yeah. game, which is played with both people, is played for one full pendant. Mm-hmm. 
I always what I like about this is that those pen. I don't think this happens on most game shows. Is it's not just the points. It's not just you're playing for points. Those points in this case come back later to help you when you get to the temple. But we'll that's get to that what in becomes a the video game aspect of the show, which I enjoy. Yeah. So what we see is uh, the temple game is played with three different games, and they're all trying to be based off of the legend of the day. And it's some, some of them are a little bit more. Some of them are a little bit more successful at at associating with the legend of the day than others, but that's fine. Standing in a log and staying the longest is not really a challenge that you would really put in consideration with like U.S. history. But sure. What does being on this horse have to do with Poseidon again? I'm not sure. When okay. Poseidon, uh, rocky shores, beach. Oh, uh, not a spoiler because we're not saying who won or lost. Uh, if Paul Bunyan really existed, he'd have a big set of stairs. Here, you're going to have to climb these big set of stairs that we just happen to have. Like, oh, come on. That's a bit of a stretch, Olmec. Even you have to admit that. Paul Bunyan uh, had an axe, and that's why you got to use these toy axes to throw at the targets. Fire these cannonballs. Well, they're not really cannonballs so much as they're dodgeballs, and you're not going to be using a cannon. You're going to be using a slingshot. But... This is exactly what Blackbeard the Pirate would use. But the first game, the first two games are always uh, individual games. They're always individual games. Play, one played with, and it's usually, if it's a boy-girl team, it's like the boy with the boy, the girl with the girl. To make it sometimes, so sometimes they switch it up. Sometimes it's boy versus girl, girl versus boy. And I kind of like that because uh, sometimes the girl totally dominates. And, uh, you know, gender positivity in the early 90s. And, like, when it gets to the team game, it becomes, like, this big co-op game. And it's also kind of the third game also acts as, like, a tiebreaker, where if the first team kind of flopped the first two, the third one, they can actually catch up. In the event of a tie, though, or whoever's first along in 60 seconds, uh, if there's a tie, they both get the point. Or the pendant. To tie in the game, they both get, yeah, uh... Although sometimes they get a little hard and loose uh, with some, like, do we want to talk about some of the games specifically? Absolutely. Talk about some of these examples. Okay. We'll talk. So um, there's uh, some of the individual ones, then we'll talk about some of the team ones, but individual games, although sometimes they would take an individual game and turn it into a team game, which I kind of like, but there's, uh, I know in the first season they had a lot of like slip and slide type games. So they had uh, a game where they're on like a slippery surface and you have to crawl out uh, to one side of the slippery surface and grab something and then crawl back and put it on in your bucket or something or take something from your bucket, crawl out on the slippery surface and put it on like a thing. And the first person to get all four. So like all four gems on the podium wins, um, things like that. And then they had the version, which was on the little slide they had to climb up with where they have a bungee cord and they have to climb up that was my to favorite. the top of it <laughs> and grab something. Uh, uh, I love it because that is so difficult. <laughs> no, there's one that I would say is really messed up. And it was the one where they basically, it's its a team game. But I don't know if it's really a single or where it's basically Private. one of the players is crucified. <laughs> Essentially, like, it's yes. like they're crucified to like a cross. Like I'm not even like making this up. They're like attached to a cross. And the other person they're, has to throw like tennis balls and hope it sticks on them. Back in ancient times, those who were deemed Pharisees were often stoned for their crimes. In this challenge, you're going to have to stone one of your partners. And you're just That's like, basically what this is. It's a stoning. Someone is being stoned for a crime in this challenge. And Kirk, and the worst part is Kirk is saying this in the most like happy-go-lucky voice. And if they didn't get enough food, they would all die. In this challenge, our team's going to have to try to get food to survive. 
In this challenge, the players have to find fruits and vegetables in this garden by sticking their heads out of these giant toilet seats. And if they match the, the fruits... People remember certain things. I don't think the toilet seat game is something that gets brought up enough when we're talking about the this show. The whack-a-mole memory match game. Yeah. The slingshot, where they have a slingshot and they have to fire at targets with a like a little the, slingshot. Yeah, the volleyball slingshot into the bean ba- into the uh, the sandbag. Uh, uh, there's my... My, what's your favorite? I know you have a favorite. Oh, it's or the Jingle. You, you know that one that's kind of like a tilt-a-whirl where the guy has to bounce up and it's almost like a swirl thing and then he has to grab like a bag of money. Oh, yes. And then put it on the platform and then go down, put it on their platform or sometimes it's like a basketball game that they grab the bag, bounce up, drop it in, bounce down. And it's like they have to keep swirling and they're both together. So it's like a pendulum. When one goes up, the other goes down and I, you want to try to time it. Legends game. <laughs> that you're down while they're up, but you have to get it at the right point so they can grab the thing off the little tower. That is a fun one. That is, I would say... There's one that I love of is uh, where they have the two giant boulders, and behind you is, like, a, like the towers from the, the slingshot game, the targets, and you have to try to push these giant boulders and try to knock over your opponent's towers. I really like that one. That's, That's like one that doesn't get tower defense about. kind of game. I enjoy it. Like, there's a, like, whoever was in the competition department, even though there's only, like, maybe, like, 20 games in full, they were a real good job of trying to balance out, like, a lot of physical mixed with, like, what is more of a, of a hang-on game or what's a memory game or what's basically, like, what is good enough that you can actually have an advantage if you go into the temple run. And round. there's some that were just literally pure luck, which I was like, oh, that game, that game's BS. Did they do dr- Dumpo? They do the Funhouse Dumpo? <laughs> Essentially did a, ver- not, it wasn't as elaborate as Dumpo, but it was basically, you have five uh, ho- water sprout hoses in front of you. Uh, when Kirk gives the signal, take your stopper and plug up one of the holes. If water comes out of it, then you don't score, then your opponent scores a point. If you pick the right hole, then... You you score a point. Whoever has the most points at the end of sixty seconds wins. It's like, oh come on, this is just luck. I don't. It's just the uh, and, uh, and plus, it's not really rotation like luck. It's really just like they're just holding different buttons down. Essentially. Uh, but in the event of a tie, if there's ever a tiebreaker, if there's ever like a a one one, or if they all one and- win every game and it's a two two or one and a half one and a half, we get to go to the sudden death question. All right, in a minute, Olmec's going to ask you a question. If you think you know the answer, hit the gong in front of you. You'll have three seconds to answer, and I must accept your first response. If you're right, you and your partner will go on to the temple in search of the Blue Yeti of Jordan Haas. But if you're wrong or you run out of time, I'm going to give the other team a chance to answer the question. All clear? Yeah. All right, Olmec, what is your final question? <laughs> Olmec what asks year? <laughs> and it's like, and, and uh, almost immediately, it's always like a gong. Gong. Green Monkeys, uh, 1066. That is correct. <laughs> Wait, <Yeah. what? laughs> oh, it was tough luck, Red Jaguars. You did a great job, but you're not walking away empty-handed. We have some lovely parting guests for you, don't we, Olmec? Dude, dude. Uh, Paradise and Speedy Gonzalez, Los Gatos Bandidos for the Sega Genesis or <laughs> the Tiny Super Nintendo. Game. Yeah. <laughs> PC games, I remember that was, that was a big one that they would give away. At that point, uh, oh, the Chester Cheetah. I remember once they gave away Chester Cheetah's uh, uh bar, like too cool game. 
shots basketball remember that game oh yeah that, that little basketball game with the little basketball eventually loses and you're just kind of like oh well then what's good with this <laughs> oh that game that i can't believe these haven't made a comeback yet that little game that with the the little fighters on the end oh, and you like turn a knob and yeah and they like, turn a knob and they like fight each other they were almost like rock'em sock and robots from those. the 90s why haven't those made a comeback but they would give those away i mean especially like now you can just like mold it with like fighting game characters like tekken or street fighter you'll be made in the shade on that one Hey, hey, Capcom. Who owns the patent to that? Oh, well, something to think of. The day. But we'll like, see if, we'll see if the green, we'll see if the green monkeys can make it through Olmec's temple, retrieve the blue Yeti of Jordan Haas, and we're going to do it right after this. Do, 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 do. And then they come back, and it's the final round. This is the important show. This is the big moment of, of Legends, the one that everyone knows, the iconic temple run. But they never call it the temple run on the show. Run was an invention later on. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think that that's what it was called on the show. It was never called that. You know, like it may have been was, called that behind the scenes. You know, in this modern day, they would just be like, "Someone will be doing the Temple Run, the iconic Temple Run." Although I guess technically, I, it, I think if you were to call it by its proper name, you would just call it Olmec Temple. It's that's time what I would have called it. Olmec Temple Round. And in uh, I wanna, I'll tell you how. Do you know how many rooms there are in the Legends of the Hidden Temple Temple? to 12 to 13 depending on uh, the season uh i did not know off the top of my head that's why i'm asking you uh and then i know it, my stuff and then we go to olmec to uh, basically start and explain the entire rules of the show like how do you get that blue yeti olmec and then you, you hear could that start. I- you could start by running into the crypt grab the book from the skeleton and make your way to the pit of despair Grab the rope and swing across, and you could head up into the king's storeroom. Smash the clay pots to find the key, or you could go into Medusa's lair, or head into the room of the ancient warriors. Put yourself in the correct armor to open the door to... Which room are we opening the door to? The Shrine of the Silver Monkey. No, Shrine of the Silver Monkey, second floor. If we're going to... Uh, Who made the observatory? <laughs> it's... Storm Observatory. King, so it's King's Storeroom, Chamber of Sacred Markers, Ancient Warriors, Shrine, Password. Then you go down to the Quicksand Bog. Or I guess technically you go to the Pharaoh's Secret Passage, which leads you to the Quicksand Bog, which is on the lower level, and then you go through the lower level. But, and then uh, it's either Crypt or Dark Forest. Dark Forest, and then the Swamp or the Jester's Court. And let's be honest, the Jester's Court was better. Well, you don't like a ball pit? Uh, just have no reason? Just here's a random ball pit? I like a ball pit. I don't know that we need... Four ball pits in the temple. How about four we ball pits have and like, like a bad divider line? So then you can have a temple guard hide in like the second or third wall. So when they jump, suddenly, booga, booga, booga. Though I will say there was a room called the spider's lair, which I don't know if you ever saw that room. It wasn't in a whole lot, but it was it was basically the swamp with a giant spider web going through the middle of it. Oh, that was right. The big and rope. that's where I big rope of my production company, the spider's lair. Trademark pending. Uh. And then you will get to the, then reach down the stairs and back to the temple gates. Remember, the choices are yours and yours alone. Even though we've already kind of put together a path we have in mind and we've locked certain doors. So, but the choices are still yours. The choices are still yours. In fact, the choice yours and yours alone is my uh, high school yearbook quote. That's how nerdy I am. That's a good one. Mine was blow one for the Gipper, which is a reference to Brian's song, which I learned later has a different meaning that I won't say because... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you get to the and then you have to do it in three minutes to win the the, the game. But if you get it through three minutes, what do that you will be hands rewarded and here's how. 
for getting to the temple, you're both going to get moon shoes. The cool new shoes for our generation. Bounce higher than ever on moon shoes. Grab the Yeti before three minutes is up and you'll both get the Hanson pool table. Play billiards and five other fun tabletop games with your best buddies. Hanson from Tabletop Fun. If you make it out with the Yeti in three minutes, minutes, you'll both be going to Mexico. Smuggler's Notch in Vermont. Rosalind Ranch. Great Wolf Lodge. Say what you... Which actually, that's probably what it would be nowadays, but... Say what you will about Legends of the about Legends in Temple about the cheesiness of the prize. That show always had the best endgame prizes. Better than Double Dare, better than Nick Arcade, better than Guts, better than Figure It Out. Well, like Figure It Out was yeah. always like is usually a tropical place. So it was like Hawaii or, or par Caribbean. with Figure It Out, I'll give you that. But certainly better than Double Dare or Nick Arcade. Double Dare was always theme park. It was a theme park. It was um, always that. Or they'd give you that stupid that stupid like car that you would outgrow in like three in like a month three years your mom takes it. it's not really yeah. your car it's your mom's uh space camp and it's only there for a week you're just kind of just yeah. like oh that's fine but no like here's why i think the legends prices are are good uh is because this is an adventure themed game show right this is like supposed to be like you're an adventurer you're on a journey you're trying to get the artifact you're trying to get the macguffin of the episode and right. the price that you are given on this show Regardless of where it is, it could be a ranch in Colorado, it could be Vermont, doesn't matter. It's always an adventure day. It's always an adventure thing somewhere in the United States or Mexico somewhere. Caribbean sometimes. And it be, and it's one of those things like, wow, that's actually really cool. But there's a catch. And the catch is, I actually don't know what you're referring oh, to. Oh, the budget. The catch. They never really get Oh, away. yeah, the budget. You told me. Yeah, I told you this. So because the prizes were so extravagant, a lot of people will say, why was it? So, man, that was so hard to win on that show. Why was it so hard to win on that show? And the reason was because uh, apparently they could only afford to give away so many of those prizes a year. So that's what so they it's not rigged in the sense of they say like, oh, we're going to, you know, we don't like this team. So we're going to make it impossible for them to win. They it what from what I've heard, like the temple layouts, they were essentially designed ahead of time, and then they would pick them out of a hat uh, before filming. But they could really only afford to give away a certain number of probably I think it was like ten or twelve a year. And it is doable. Like every one of these, it's like a maze. It's you have to get through each room. Mostly, you have to get through like nine rooms. Like that's usually nine to ten rooms of the temple, and usually you have to get through at least two temple guards. And yeah, um, oh, but we need to talk about those pendants of life from before. Those are going to come in handy, the pendants you won in the Temple games. So normally, uh, the winners would mostly get one, one and a half, or two pendants of life. This is very crucial, because the more pendants you have, the more likely you are to actually win the show. Actually, what's funny is that's not true, but go ahead. I know, but I think that's what the producers encourage. But uh, (laughs) somewhere in the Temple is the hidden half pendant. This is important, because this is your life in the video game. In randomly, quote unquote, randomly, but usually it's what is it? it's usually the crypt, like the the, the king storeroom, pit, uh, the the second to third room, and a dark forest. Like that's usually it. Whatever's the layout, it's, it's usually like whatever's the fourth room in the house, the first room, and then a dark forest near the end completion room. And that's when and that's the the trick the producers have when they want to save money is they want to make sure that second to last or the last room before getting into the artifact has that right. temple guard. Because if you get caught with a temple guard, you can give a pendant of life and you can continue. But be careful. If you're caught without a pendant of life, you'll be taken out of the temple and it will be Josh's turn to try his luck. 
Now he's got the half pendant, and hidden somewhere in the temple is his other half pendant. And uh, in order to in order to uh, get past the next temple guard, he would need to find the other half pendant for it to work. You know, and half he, pendant he gets, gets you nothing. Temple guard with the half pendant, it's not good enough. The game ends, and you and there has been runs, not really spoiling which episodes, where the game has ended because they ran out of pendants. And it's just like, ah, darn it! Why was he up there? I mean, the producer put him up there, that's why. But still, why was he up there? Ah. And then Kirk has to. Go. Well, I guess you're not. <laughs> but it's okay. You yeah. won that. You were on the Tyco RC car. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Kirk. And we hope to see you next time for another great Legend of the Intel. No, but when but the we can go into the rooms now. We should go into some of these iconic rooms because this okay, is the so, and the objectives of each room. So I mean, do we want to start with like the opening rooms? Yeah, start or? with the opening rooms. Work your way down to. I would say save the the most important one for last. The the monkey. Save the monkey for I last. Will. We went and saved the monkey for last. Sorry, I had to do some Vanessa Williams. Um, so you can either enter through the crypt or through the ledges. We'll enter through the crypt today. And in the crypt, there's some skeletons. And each skeleton has a book it's holding. And uh, you have to pull the book from the correct skeleton in order to open the door. Uh, uh, if you Now, or it's the, uh, the uh, what is it, the uh, the layer, the, the armory, where it's just you have to like stand in the suit, pull down the arm. Later on, but or that's a good the, room or too. the gong and get it on the gong room, the gong room, the gargoyle room, all of which are basically the same thing. There's three, hit them to find the right one to open the door. The ledges, it's just ledges, it really is just kind of like think like ant farm, yeah. ant farm. Oh, I, I never thought about it that way. Uh, yeah, it's basically just you know, kind of a tight squeeze to fit through in order to get into the, into the room or out of it. And what they do is usually they hide the temple guard if they ever are going there first, it, they usually kind of in like a little corner outside of shot. What's funny is, is if you watch a lot of the, uh, oh, uh, no, this isn't really spoiler. A lot of the episodes, uh, they enter through the ledges thinking, oh, well, there's no way a temple guard can be in there. But there is. A temple guard can be in the ledges. Not always, but he can fit in there without you seeing. And uh, and when and I would say those are the scariest of the jumps. Uh, oh, I think this, yeah, there's a few that are really scary. Then uh, we go into what I call like the rock room. Because always yeah, some sort of boulder bridge climb pit pit in the pendulum you swing on the pendulum knock you down get into the territory of just stealing things from the old double dare set where we have just the hamster wheel only we painted it black uh, what it's called the... what are you talking about totally original game this is uh the stone <laughs> wheel come on olmec the troubled bridge is clearly the bridge from from double dare well, it's a troubled bridge, but have you ever considered the... Yeah, but uh, temple guards can't be located in there, so that's sort of like your one safety room. You don't have to worry about a temple guard in there. But it's also the room where you have the most choices, because it's usually one in three shot now to pick a room, uh, which is either the observatory, uh, Medusa's lair, we'll say Medusa for this one, or the heart room, people call it the heart room. Uh, Center room, heart room, both good. And then the, or the, the, the room, and the, or it's the, the throne. The throne Bottom of the pretender, pillar, which is actually called the throne room. He just said, but we'll start. Can we start with the observatory and work our way through? Absolutely. I think I like this whole zigzag approach we're doing. We have the observatory where uh, I think season one, it's like something simple, like spin a sundial or spin a spin a light wheel to open the door. And that's all you got to do. Uh, then in season two, they change it to like a column puzzle you have to put together. And then, and then season three, it's. It's your favorite, the King's Storeroom. My favorite is the King's Storeroom because you get to break stuff. Who doesn't want to break stuff? You're encouraged to commit vandalism. It's the you, one time you'll be encouraged. You get, you get 
the fake vases, like stunt vases, you smash them. They have this whole little like triangle format for you that's supposed to be where you're supposed to smash them. And kids just punch them and grab the key that way. Thought of it. I, this never occurred to me until now. Is run into this sacred temple. Oh, and there's a room with some pots. Go in there and destroy those centuries-old pots and see if there's something inside. <laughs> which I, which you did say back to Legend of Zelda. Is this a Legend of Zelda inspired room? <laughs> Smashing the pots to get the key. Yep. And the key can take you into the uh, the center of the temple, the heart room, which. Uh, early on, it was pretty lame. It was just a room with just like buttons you could press. Like you'd just press a button and it would open a door. And, but the gimmick was because it was so red, you couldn't really see where the buttons were. <gasps> and then they were like, "Wow, this is lame. Let's change it next season." And so they added, so they made it Medusa's lair, where they have this Medusa head, and you have to put snakes in her head in order to open the doors. Uh, and then my my. Go ahead. The, the Medusa's Lair, I like only because it's the, you grab the snakes, you have to put it in a correct position, almost like a Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Shh. Uh, oh, and then we get the Medusa scream. What I love is when you get it in, you get the Medusa scream, which I'm not even going to attempt to duplicate. Ah! I'll send you a sound clip. And then his eye, her eye, or I guess her eyes, because Medusa was one, her eyes light up. But which I don't get why I didn't turn to stone when that happened, but that's something else for a different day. Uh well, then, or there's uh, and then the there's one with the, the columns. What's the one with like the different uh, the like, fallen columns, squ- the little squares, and you have to pull off the squares oh. and find the red light or the white light among the, the red lights. The, the, that's on the bottom floor. Uh, that's a good one too. Um, but uh, in the bottom level is the uh, the throne room. Is you can the, sit like, down either in a, a throne chair. or or uh, rip panels off a light wall and try to find the white laser to light the globe up. Or we get the season three, the cool but yet frustrating room where. You have it's called the tomb of the uh, ancient uh, tomb of the headless kings, where you have to pull vines and it drops compartments. Like each vine drops a different compartment, and from those compartments, bones fall down. And in one of the compartments is a skull, and you have to grab the skull and attach it to its proper king in order to open the door. As if people would know, <laughs> and then that sends you into the next rooms. Uh, yeah, so the next rooms are kind of these. Ones. So we have the. Uh, we have the Golden Idols room, which is one of the, which is, this is on the upper level next to the chamber, next to the shrine in between those two, uh, which is maybe the most forgotten room in the history of the show because no one ever completed the objective in that room. But it's like these idols and you push down on them to open the door downward. It was pretty lame. I like that room. I, I, I can see why people like kind of forgot about it though, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's not just go to straight to the monkey room. It's like, there is that one little, and usually that room uh, is the one that ends up having like the temple guard, if not messes it up. Well, I, like, I like to say it's so forgettable that only one person even attempts to complete the objective in that room. Um, but but there's also the treasure chest room where you just open a treasure chest and hope that the door leading down opens. And if it goes uh, down to the swamp. Oh no, we got to talk about the room of the ancient warriors. My favorite, one of my favorite rooms. The suits of armor. Oh, the oh the one I was talking about a while back. The that I got confused. That one. I'll let yes. you describe this one. No, not no. You're you're you go through it. You, the suit of armor, which is like these suits of armor, and you pull down on these little handles. But the way you pull down, you pull it down so that your hands are by your side when you pull down on them, and you have to pull down the right, uh, get in the right suit of armor, pull down the right handle. But what's cool is when the temple guards grab you in that room, like your hands are down by your side, and their arms come through from behind the suit and grab you, and the the arm the suit of armor turns around. Revealing the temple guard while you give him the pendant. It's pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of 13 Dead and Drive. Remember that game? Yes. Where the it's fireplace and turns. It's just, that's so cool to me. <laughs> yes, I know. 
that's that probably is what started my obsession with cheesy board games. Uh, is that that you just go around the legends and go lights out for the boyfriend? Oh, uh, you could enter the room with the killer chandelier. <laughs> the chandelier, sword be careful. This suit of armor might get rickety and fall. Oh, that makes suddenly the stairs become a lot more dangerous because yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, but you could go down from the treasure chest into the swamp. It's swamp. a ball pit. It's a ball like pit. Balls or packing peanuts or something. Although they did a few variations of it. They did the uh, the swamp, the spider's lair, which was a big spider web. They did the the uh, the bamboo forest where there was just a bunch of bamboo pipes jutting out of it. Excuse yeah, me. I think the one that uh, a lot they, of people like more is Jester's Court. I love the Jester's Court where you have these three wall paintings with buttons in specific orientations on the paintings, and you have to align your body and press all three buttons at once. And it's like, you have to use your hand and feet. It's almost like hole in the wall. You have to be like, eh. Eh, eh. And then when you light it off the jet, you hear the court jester laugh, which I like. And, and it's it like a maniac. And then it has that cool effect where it suddenly lights go out, and it's that glow-in-the-dark paint. It becomes like that neon bowling you did when you were a kid. Remember yeah. that? Oh, man. That's probably why I like that room, too. And then from there, you could go into the... Uh, there's, so there's two rooms that could be next. You have the Tomb of the Ancient Kings, which is not the same as the Tomb of the Headless Kings, where it's basically just like a mummy sarcophagus that you open up to to get a key, uh, which is kind of okay. But the next season is when they do it right, when we get to the Dark Forest. The Dark Forest. It's, it's, and I always like the way he always says, like, it's always the Dark Forest. Dark Forest. Which, by the way, I should have named my production company that. That's a lot more menacing. But yeah, so so there's two trees that look frankly evil. They look like the things from Mortal Kombat. You know the ones. Yeah, have a mouth in them, and you put your hand in the in the tree's mouth, and you try to find the key in the mouth uh, of one. It's in one of the trees, and you get the key out, and it's basically a. Ma- when we say a key, it's like a magnet, and you have to put the magnet on the wall in order to open the door. There's no Be real like careful. One a temple trees. card could inhabit one of the trees. The arms, they're like these little little cheesy looking arms that just kind of grab you. That you could probably easily run away from in real life, but who cares? It's so cool. <laughs> and, and they have spooky music. I don't know if you noticed this watching it. They have they have like spooky music that plays, but it only plays when you go into the dark forest. It's like spooky like sound effects. Halloween sounds like volume two <laughs> playing in the background. Forest. Track three on the on the sound CD that we had in storage. I like it. It's Someone cheesy, went to fun. Party City before the show, and uh, and they can either do that, or if they if they can to go up, or there's always like a big foam brick wall that they can sometimes smash through as well. Bring you into the mine shaft, where there's a ladder that no one ever takes because they never see it, or you can take the mine, the elevator. You can ride it up, or sometimes it's a well. Sometimes it's uh, the dungeon is one variant where there's some there's some ladders and there's a bunch of skeletons in there of past contestants I think uh, then there's my personal favorite the quicksand bog ball pit in the temple it's just a big old ball pit that you kind of have to wade through and there I think it works I think it works there really it's well it's long it's like very tiny it's supposed to be like a almost like gumdrop on double dares like it's like a tiny ball pit you're not really in a ball pit yeah and then. Uh, you could go up. Oh, they also. This is one that no room that only I care about. There's the Pharaoh's secret passage, which is the Sunday slide from Double Dare, 
without the ice cream? Don't say Sunday slide. No, it's a, it's a, a sl- spooky slide from my... Uh, give you this. You never had to climb up the Sunday slide on Double Dare. And sometimes they have to climb up this slide, which I remember as a kid being like baffled by the Like, wait a minute. You can climb up a slide? What? You can, but be careful. The temp- temple guards uh, might be on top and might want to slide down. Have fun. I was wondering what the temple guards did when no one was trying to get to the object. But then, so then the next room, the upper room is uh, like a room with three options. So originally it was like the torch room where you had to take a torch and put it in the right torch holder, to open the door, uh, which was lame. That was okay. It wasn't great. But it wasn't even with then real you have fire. The, That's what made, should have made it cool. It would be a real fire. Standards and practices uh, would love to have children with fire. Um, uh, and then it became like it, secret, pa- like secret password room. Secret password room, which was always my favorite. What? Are, oh, by the way, do you know what the three secret passwords are? I know all three. Uh, all long live Olmec. I think was it's one of them. Open Sesame. Uh, that's two, and uh, the third one is the one no one ever remembers because it's not. It comes out of left field. Go, uh, go for Atu Barada Nikto. What does that mean? That's from Day the Earth Stood Still. Whoa, that's a. <laughs> I know. I need. So someone was really like a big nerd that day. And went, we can have that be the phrase. But what I like about the secret password room is because they all have to wear the mouth guards. Over, or or it's like if their kids didn't actually really wanted to work, they just dropped the mouth guard. back. I love that. And again, you see a couple of kids take the mouth guard out, but most of them forget and just try to say it with the mouth guard. And some of them just like it, it ends up sounding like nothing. It ends up just sounding like. Rrr, 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 rrr. And you can tell <laughs> yes, that the prop people like, works for me. You know, <laughs> you can tell that the prop people are like, wait, did he say the right thing? I don't know. Yeah. OK, hit, go ahead. Hit it open, which I, that's another question. I don't know the answer to is how the. How the temple worked. Maybe you know the answer to that. But uh, oh, I think you're, you know, it's, you're right. It's, it's the, uh, it, it's kind of a mechanism in place, kind of like the magnet, like you said, where it's the open sesame is if they say the phrase, and it's one of three, that unlocks mm-hmm. it automatically. Uh, similar to the same well, there had uh, to have mechanic been... as if you grab the artifact and they open up every room. And there had to have been some kind of like kill button in case of like something went wrong and some door didn't open or something. Oh, that's another behind-the-scenes story I'll tell you about in a few minutes. Um, so but if to... you say, I'm gonna say it, or you want me to do it? You go for it. You enter the room. You, it's your to the shrine of the silver monkey. You know, what, like originally he just like shrine of the silver monkey, and that's and like, then they're like, come on, pimp this thing, old Mac. Pimp well, it up, yeah, you baker. You know, kids just kind of just know about that. They say the monkey room. I gotta let them know. It's the shrine of the silver monkey. I would, you know what's funny about that room? We'll tell it. We'll describe it in a minute. Everyone describes it like, I don't ever remember thinking, oh, wow, that room is so iconic. I love that show with the shrine. Like, I never thought of the shrine as something that was defining of the show. I feel like that came later. Me, I would say it would be the temple guards, like the temple guards popping out of the crypt. Like that That's what I, and Olmec, obviously. And Olmec. Like, like the shrine is just like fine. It's, it's, um... The the idea is you assemble a, a three piece puzzle, and it's like a bottom piece, which is clearly the bottom piece, a middle piece, which is supposed to be the puzzle part, and then the head, which is just the head of a monkey with like a giant little uh, pointer, because the idea is supposed to be a, a little tube that when you plunge down on it, it hits a little button and and opens the door. And kids struggle with this, and everyone's like, "You stupid idiot! You didn't know how to put together the silver monkey. What a maroon!" I'm like. I look at that thing, I'm like, if you said, 
run through that temple as fast as you can. Okay, like imagine this, Jordan. Imagine this, and imagine this, listener. Imagine that you just like ran like uh, like a not a half marathon. What do they call it? The hundred yard dash. Imagine you just ran a hundred yard dash. And then I handed you a Rubik's cube and said, "Solve this Rubik's cube." And obviously, the shrine's not as difficult as a Rubik's cube, but you get the idea. Like, like no, you're like gonna have two, a much harder like one slide Rubik's cube. Like, it's all of the colors are together, but one. <laughs> Even then, it's like you'd have a much harder time doing that after you just ran, you know, the hundred yard dash than if you're just sitting in your television watching it on, t- you know, and they're than if you just walk in. And they're all looking at the the monkey this way, and they're told you have to face it towards the camera, and they're told by the way beforehand make the monkey face the camera if you're in this room a few times where they do assemble it i remember at least one contestant assembled it entirely backwards and then turned it around which by the way if you're going to do it do it that way it's allowed (laughs) that's not a bad way to do it my strategy was always put the base on then grab the middle and the head at the same time put the middle on with one hand and then put the head on with your other hand Oh, see, I was doing in the flip. I would say do the get the base and the middle part first, and then run and get the head. All valid strategy. Again, there's no right way to assemble the silver. But the thing is, though, like, and that, and sometimes that is the room, one room before the artifact. Like, usually, it's in the secret password, or it's in like the crypt. So sometimes, what you see is people go into the shrine of silver monkey, and then oop, temple guard, and they get caught because they already gave up their pen of life early on. So now, imagine your partner has to now go from the very beginning and like. It really is like a Nintendo back to start. Now you have to go up the stairs. Now you have to go down the room. Now you have to go down this tube slide. Now you have to go up another flight of stairs. Now I have to climb up a ladder. Now you have to go into the room and assemble the statue. The doors leading up, we probably emphasize this. The doors that your partner already opened are still open, but you still have to cover the ground. It's not like you start immediately in the room where they were captured. So you not only lose uh, where you are, you lose like a lot of time, which is what the producers expect you to do, especially when it's like three minutes on the clock and they're seeing like, oh, they're like one room away, one minute left on the clock. Oh, Temple Guard, go, Johnny, go. Johnny's going. Johnny's going up. He's going through the Bridge of the Spare. Now he's going into Medusa's lair, going up to the observatory. Now going down to the King's Oh, I hope he can make it. Oh, he didn't make it to the shrine in time. Darn it. Uh, Or if they did. Or if they did. 20 seconds left. One room away. One room away. Assembling the monkey in ten seconds, and then getting the thing and getting out with yeah, it. Yeah, because remember, you know, if, even if you don't, you have to. They, what they, by the way, what they count for if you grab the artifact within the three minutes, it's just if you touched it. They don't count it like you actually had it in your possession. Just a simple touch. Mm-hmm. And if you do you that, hey, sometimes on the in like some acts, not spoiling which episodes, there is that we're in that room, and you saw a kid just like basically like slap the artifact. People where they're literally a hand reach away from it, and you're like, no. Oh, uh, it was a time. So it's like, come on. I, I, the scary I ones is, which I think the producers always get scared of, is they grab the artifact. They have like 20 seconds left and they have to go all the way back. When they get the artifact, by the way, all the rooms are open. It's a free for all. And the temple guards disappear. And the temple guards disappear. The temple guards that. will immediately vanish and probably go to catering. I've, you're joking, but that actually is what's behind the temple. A lot of people don't know that is the craft services table. And the kids like, and the kids are scared. But it's like, hey, could you really get scared by a guy who's like five feet away from Cheetos? Okay, well, think about this, Jordan. I just handed you a Rubik's cube. Solve this Rubik's cube, and you're solving the Rubik's cube, and then I come up and grab you from behind. Ah! <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm a fighter. I'd, I'd punch the temple guard. 
that always worried me. I always was worried that someone was going to hit a temple guard, even a, like in my, I'm like, oh man, I really hope that these kids don't, I'm sure they're given some sort of briefing, like do not hit the temple guard, do not assault the temple they're guard. They're not going to hurt you. And no, it's usually going to be like uh, the contestant corner is going, I'm going to be wearing face paint. I'm going to be playing the temple guard. Does, another reason why you can't do the show now, because you'd have to screen kids to make sure they weren't going to sue. So oh, yeah, because the but, kids, bad touch, bad touch. Thanks, thanks, mom, for ruining legends for me. But also, like, what would work about the show is the way that they handle the format. And, like, this is what makes it an iconic piece of television is, is the way they do the Temple Guard, the video game aspect. What I like most, which is my little trinket of what I enjoy most, is that if you pay attention to the the final round when they go through the three minute clock, and there's that little map with the little blinking yes. dot that shows you, and then there's that little like trace that shows you where the kid is. <laughs> the path. Bear in mind that kid does not get to see that. A lot of people think like, just look at the map in the lower corner of the screen, you moron. Like oh, that's not there. No, that's in post production too. <laughs> like I know thing where I remember as a kid thinking, you idiots! Like don't you see that? Like. Don't you see the giant thing? It's like, no. It's not Nick Arcade. They can't just look at the TV monitor. No problem. So what makes this such a iconic show is uh, the elements of, of the, it's a kid's form of adventure. Indiana Jones was already a big deal in the 80s. And this was kind of their attempt at it. So Stone Stanley, which was successful with Funhouse, made this game show that was... Essentially, what they did with Funhouse, but with a limited budget of Funhouse. Now, on Funhouse, they gave away things like cable television, puppies, Nintendos, uh, JD Roth, and essentially, it was like a little house where they had to go through different rooms and artifacts and, and different crimes. We talked about this with, with Kurt, but this one is different because it's one set of room with one set of uh, Kate's, and it's a giant maze. And what I find fascinating about the show is. Not only how people put imaginations through it, but it's the way that people kind of remember different elements of it. And it's, I think a lot of people just have that sense of imagination, which comes with that show versus a lot of different games. Like Double Dare, you can't really use your imagination. Funhouse, it's kind of just like a prop version of the thing, like an oversized banana. But with Legends, it's supposed to feel like a temple. And that's what I think makes it such a cultural appeal. Now, the thing is, not a lot of people around the world know about Legends of Hidden Temple. It's kind of just an American byproduct. When it comes to different countries, like, I mean, UK, they either say the Crystal Maze, which I can see why, because of an Aztec zone. They run around. They do little mini games. Uh, Temple Run, uh, which, what is it, Temple? Is it called Temple Run? Or no, it's Jungle Run. Jungle Run is what it's called where it's they got to go through a little mini jungle and then as a team of four they have to do different puzzles and then get out in time and the more uh, rooms they get through the bigger the prize and then the final prize some trip to probably some theme park in uk and that's why i think legends is a much better show than any of those i agree wholeheartedly uh, <laughs> uh cut out the part where i went to the bathroom um yeah no, we were, you, you were talking in, about, but that was a good like five talking, minutes of event. Were you talking about um, Funhouse, or were you talking about? I was talking about uh, Funhouse, which inspired it, and I also talked about Jungle Run, which is the UK. Right. People say like, what's the UK equivalent of Legends? And they say, oh, it's Crystal Maze. I would say it's more Jungle Run. Jungle Run was definitely the one. I remember thinking, I'm, I was surprised they brought Crystal Maze over and not Jungle Run. 
aren't you? But that's a different topic for a different day. Um, with Adam. But you know, but the th- uh, what, what is interesting is legends. I mean, like before we get to like I guess some history because that's going to be your expertise. Is legends already had like a few appeals? Now Stone Stanley split like a while back, and now they're together to do the Quibi show, which may or may not be the like the show you remember. Because remember, this is a ten minute show. If it's Quibi, it's a hold quick on. Night. Actually, I want to clarify something. Is Stanley with it? I thought it was just Stone and Company. It's Stone and Company with with uh, Stanley's approval. Oh, well, that's not quite the same as. He's not like uh, he's jump there. In. On, yeah, right. Uh, I think he just wants the money. He gets a cut, which he well, and he deserves a cut of the money. But still, it's not quite the same as he's there at the input. And I again, he took he declined my request for an interview, which is his uh, prerogative. But so I guess we'll never know. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like he's kind of divorced himself from the whole show in in its entirety. Which, when you look at how much this becomes like the '90s kid thing, and we're in the nostalgia trip. Of Generation mm-hmm. Remix, a Quibi version of Hidden Temple. The only thing we know about it is it's going to be set outside of a studio. It's going to be set in a jungle. It defeats the purpose of going on the show to begin with because you want to win the grand prize so you can get the trip to go to the jungle. Uh, and plus, with 10 minutes, like they're going to have to create yes. their own little mini temple on a, like, a little mini version. Feel like you know how like kids do like they'll do like oh we're gonna have this is a thing that actually happens like oh we're gonna have Legends of the Hidden Temple night but it's not really Legends of the Hidden Temple it's just like you put on some some off brand version of the shirt from the show and you have your friend dressed up as the temple guard I have a bad feeling that's what this is gonna become it's gonna be something that is called Legends of the Hidden Temple yet is nothing like the original uh, see what I'm expecting is people like. 30s, 35, like late 20s, is who are nostalgic for the show. And I can just imagine them in the temple and it's grab the key, but it's in a real snake pit and there's actual snakes. And they're we'll freaking think. out like, oh no, snakes. Oh, this isn't the temple I remember. This isn't the temple you remember. I'm Olmec. Welcome to the all new legends. Where are you going to get Olmec? Where are you going to get another D. Baker is my question. Oh, and don't... D. Baker, just in, like, he's just going to record no. in his like office like after that's, the fact. No! Boo! And, and then Boo. you're going to get like that's... the confessionals. You're going to get confessionals because that's what every game show needs to have nowadays, especially one with a physical challenge aspect of some kind. Boo! Um, oh, I didn't can... know uh, the, the hit the sandbag game was going to be so tough. And then I fell into the moat. I have a bad feeling that's what this is going to become. And I, what's worse is people are probably going to be like, oh, my God, Legends is back. Legends is back. It's like it's not. I don't know. It's not going to be what you want it to be. It's certainly not going to be what I want it to be. It's, I mean, like if you were going to. I, but we also should bring up one other fact. If we're going to go whole Legends thing is they may have board game recently at Target. I have the board game. Uh, quick board game review. I have it. Took me forever to find it. Very difficult to play uh, with because the rule, the way the rules are set up, you essentially have to roll a set of dice and you have to roll a six like three times in a row in order to. It's not F six. It's it's your team symbol in order to cross the moat. And it's it's very difficult and it's it's not quite legends and it's the the, the temple. The legends themselves are very truncated, which they would have to be on this new QB version, I guess. Uh, is it QB? Is that what it's called? Quibby. Quick bite. Quibby. 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 Isn't that vote Quibby? Vote Quibby. Uh, <laughs> isn't so? Yeah, you got it. So the legends are, are very truncated and very um, full fledged legends. In the temple games, it's always the same three very basic temple games. And I am not joking when I say one of the temple games is flip the cup. 
I love Flip Cup. Uh, you know, can you imagine if that had been an actual game on the show? Although I guess if they were like giant cups, okay, maybe that would work. But not this version. You, it's literally just Flip Cup. Alexander Hamilton may have been one of the first uh, <laughs> treasurers, but along legend has it, he has also been a keen drinker in this challenge. <laughs> One of the one of the actual fun facts that I don't think people know there has never there was never a legend about any presidential figure. Yeah, what is Ben Franklin's bifocals? That's the only thing I remember. There's Ben Franklin, and then there was Dolly Madison, I think. Which, but Dolly Madison was a first lady; she wasn't a president, so or a vice president. Do you think there was a reason why so, that, or like they don't want to be political enough, or they just felt? No, like... no, I always wondered that too. I th- I suspect it had something to do with uh, we don't want to offend. Uh, we don't want to... Uh, it's the 90s. No, there was no such thing as offending people. We had the thing earlier about the cigarette. Never mind. Um, okay, I don't know. I think maybe just to be bipartisan. They want to be bipartisan. That's a good way of looking at it. In the, uh, Lincoln was a great founding father until he was murdered during a theater. <laughs> Try to find the, you know, the bloody popcorn bag. See, that would be something that would have worked, like a top hat of Abe Lincoln. The wooden teeth of George Washington. Stolen. I think Carmen Sandiego may have stolen that at some point. Double trouble. You already cover Where in the World and Where in Time? I did with Jeremy Hammond, also known as Child Soldiers, the game show. (laughs) Who who wants to be? It's like Metal Gear Solid. We're training the the children of the future to be cops. Love how Kevin on that show, uh, off tangent, I love how Kevin on that show, specifically on that version, great job, Steve! Oh, we didn't you do Wear in Time. We did not do Wear in Time. If you want that right now, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. Uh, I'm, I, it's not, I, I wouldn't mind doing it, certainly. If someone else wants to claim it, then I'll think. The only thing I want to say is uh, I love how Kevin's like, man, that was tough, John, but you gave it a great try. Can you imagine a war general saying that? <laughs> No, and then like Link Thinkpin is like, we salute you. And it's <laughs> like they late. never say the name because they've already pre-recorded it. <laughs> oh, tough I'm, luck. Carmen's always tough to grab, but you did grab our villain. So you're walking out of here with a CD player. Almost are waiting for, you did a great job, Kevin. <laughs> Congratulations on making it through, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tough luck, Eric. Uh you did it! Uh, I can't believe it! Eric, captured Carmen San Diego. We salute you. We hope you enjoy this PC computer from Compact. You can hear the tape skipping. You can see the same tape line in every episode. They record it. <laughs> uh, although, in the, in the defense, they did similar things on this show, too. So, like, oh, Olmec's no. Temple run-through was always, in season three, it was always pre-recorded because it saves time. And they didn't change any of the rooms. And sometimes they never even reveal one of the rooms, like you said. One of the rooms was not included in Olmec's description, so they just kind of... Could go into Medusa's lair, or you could go into... Wait, wait, hold on, Olmec. Can you tell me about Medusa's lair? That seems like a key piece of information. No, it's really fine. You could go to the throne. You sit on the throne. Seriously, I mean, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do when I get in there. Am I supposed to, like, hit a button? Jester's court. Assemble the position, and you may be headed to the Dark Forest. With I'm the key. serious. I really need to know what I'm supposed to do in. You can in have the, it. One of the trees. I'm going to take to you me, up you? to the shrine of the silver monkey. It's a pre-allotted path that you're definitely not going to be able to take. <laughs> it never is. So the choices I, are certainly not yours. And this is also one of the rare game shows that had its own movie. Uh, the, yeah, this and the Gong Show. I love to point out had a movie. This is in the same caliber as the Gong Show. 
same uh, equal, equal tomato meter rating and everything. There's a lot of similarities between. I just remember people saying that at the time. Uh, you know, oh wow, a game show that has a movie that's never happened before, and I was like, Gong Show movie. I have to be the one to rain on everyone's parade. Sorry, Legends fans. Yeah, we have the the movie. The uh, what did you think of the movie? Or do you I want me to go first? Fine. I felt like that was too kitschy. Too. Com- I think it was more of like a comedic like attempt at it. Which you want? Know fine. It's a family movie. Makes sense. I watched it. And I was like, this is so cheesy and schlocky and so pandering and so juvenile and i love every second of it my favorite thing is kirk fogg being like this like depressed host of like a stage show like welcome to the temple theme park i I, now i I wonder if i should say this because i'm worried if i say it they're not going to be able to do it i have an idea i'll tell you off mic about another nickelodeon movie what they would do um and then the final round where they escape the temple but before then they have like an eviction notice they have to have three minutes before they blow up the temple (laughs) And then the uh, demolition love- expert's like, oh, sorry I almost killed you in the temple. Uh, here's some tickets to Space Camp. <laughs> now we can use Space Camp without paying anybody because you know that Space Camp in Huntsville, Alabama closed down, right? I never knew that. So they closed yeah, down closed after down, Double so Dare. I think this was pretty recent. I think this was in the last decade they closed down. And it's- Not as cool and interesting as it used to be. And uh, like the whole bit was supposed to be like they couldn't assemble the statue. There's a green monkey. There's silver snakes. The purple parrot gets shot like three seconds into the movie. Get it? Because the purple parrots usually fail. I my ex girlfriend. Hi, Brandy. If you're listening to this, her favorite team is the purple parrots. So there, I said it. I gave I gave her my best friend Brandy a plug. Uh, and her favorite team. She said, we don't even have speed rounds anymore. We've moved on to a final question, but we're not getting that yet. History-wise, what's the history of the show? So, uh, so, th- so the big thing about this show is, you know, this show was put together very last minute. They essentially did a presentation for Nickelodeon, and Nickelodeon said, okay, you're picked up. And they're like, oh, cool. When do we go on the air? Very, very quickly. So they had to essentially throw together a lot of stuff pretty quickly in order to do this show. And I think a lot of it was kind of learn on the fly, and you can tell in that early season. And Kirk Fogg, our host, do we want to talk about our lovely host, Kirk Fogg? Fogg was an actor and was on, um, he was on, remember he was on Body Language in an episode. Did you see him as a contestant on Body Language? contestant on Body Language, Kirk Fogg. Yes, I have that episode, both episodes. Uh, Oh, and you know the insane thing about that, about that episode? Uh, what, what, what was it, like the celebrities Uh, he was teamed with? The The episode of Body Language, you know the crazy thing about that? What was it? Was like the one clue. of the words, yeah. You know, like, this is just like so random. One of the words is fog. And I remember <laughs> watching that, I'm like, what the hell? What are the odds of that? <laughs> now, how can you describe in a charade fog? And it was, I think it was Roger Mosley. He starts to point to Kirk and Tonka. He's like, no, 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 act it out, act it out. Like, do, oh. how do you act like a dweeby game show contestant? <laughs> you act like fog, though. That is a tough one to do. Uh, all I also but remember was, was Kirk Fogg talking about how he was basically told to act like a sports presenter when doing the, the temple run. He said that he said, like, I got a call. He said, I'm going to give the quote. I got a call from Stephen Brown, who was one of the creators. Hi, Stephen, if you're listening. Uh, and Stephen said, can you like call me, call me up and said, can you come down and can you do play by play commentary? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, great. You're hired. What? <laughs> Because, again, I think two reasons why Kirk was fired or fired. I hope Kirk didn't get fired. Kirk was hired. One, he looks like Kirk Fogg. He looks like he's got that look. He's got the look of a guy who's been in the jungle Uh, and he's got an appealing face. And two, come on. How can you not put that? His last name is Fogg. Kirk Fogg. 
And here he not... is now, and he swings how... on a rope. How can you not cast a guy whose last name is Fog in a now, show? Originally, about... it was that rappel, wasn't it? Like the introduction, he would just like rappel down out of nowhere. Originally, he would walk down the down the uh, down the stairs out of the temple. Like he would walk down the stairs. And then you, like, there is that like, rumor he... season three, or was it season? It was the Kirk <laughs> Fog had to do more things. Fog. Oh yeah, in season one he had to do. He had to read the let. He didn't read the legends, but he had to explain the challenges, explain the temple, and explain everything. Which is stuff that, in retrospect, you're like, shouldn't. Which again goes back to the whole they were really doing this on the fly. Shouldn't Olmec be the one explaining how the game works? It feels more appropriate. It's supposed to be Olmec is kind of like the expert. He's the legend holder. He is the keeper of the temple. And Kirk is supposed to be the adventurer. He's supposed to be the the passive host. You are the kid adventurer. I'm the one just trying to tell you how to do this because I can't be bothered. I'm holding a microphone. I'll explain how to... I'll, I'll talk about how great you're doing while you're doing it, but I'm not going to explain it to you. That takes effort. I, when, 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 great job. Uh, but be careful. There will be a hidden temple guard. Whenever he said that, it just never felt right to me. Kirk Fogg saying, careful, there could be a hidden temple guard. Ever felt right. We love you, Kirk. If you're listening to this, are Kirk you friends is with great Kirk with the Facebook? Temple Games? He's great with the moat. Yeah. He's great with an, with his famous phrase. Next question. <laughs> that was that was his trademark catchphrase. I remember thinking that at the time. Like this is going to be printed on T-shirts. The phrase "Next question." Next question. Kids were, kids were quoting that on the schoolyard. Oh man, I love the way he says "Next question." Next question. That was the thing. That, that was, was the like thing. A good it wasn't around. It's just him going. Next question. It wasn't the shrine. It was him saying, next question. That's what people at the time remembered about the show. Everyone was pointing at each other going, hey, Josh, next question. Oh, I know what you did there. Great, man. Oh, I love that show. That's how we identified each other as kids. You had to quote stuff from television shows, and who couldn't remember the iconic catchphrase, next question? Lived on forever. It's up there, it's up there with ready, set, go, and on your marks. Uh, and picture Rick let the games begin. Uh, yeah, there's a there's an obscure one. Uh, so, when we get to the we get down to it, it is a what do you think is like some of the reasons why the show was a was a successful game show? Um, fantasy. Uh, what's the word? It's it's fantasy fulfillment, wish fulfillment, aspiration. That's a good one. Like as a kid, I wanted to be on Legends of the Hidden Temple. Like that's all I wanted out of my childhood. And I so when I was a kid. Uh, Legends had already stopped filming. They had already stopped making episodes, but they were rerunning them well into the 90s. It's this, there's this mistake that they stopped making episodes and then immediately the show died. Like, no, that show lived on long after they stopped making episodes. Um, so I watched that show and I was just like, I wanted to be on that show so badly as a kid. Um, that was all I wanted. I didn't want to go on Double Dare. I didn't want to get slimed. I didn't want to be a superhero. I just wanted to go on Legends of the Hidden Temple. And I think that's what stayed w- with people at the time. And it's also like I think it's also the the way they handle the eliminations six to four to two to one. It had a lot of contestants, so they could really pull from all across Orlando. Mm-hmm. There was one British kid in an episode. I remember that was kind of weird. It's like, where the hell did you come from? Why are you here in in Florida? I thought this was Jungle Run. <laughs> I've never heard of this military leave thing. I don't know, uh, uh, which- but I think that's what it was. And, well, and it's also sports uh, things. Like everyone has a favorite team. You know, as favorite sports team, and everyone has a favorite team on Legends of the Hidden Temple. And if you don't have one, then you were never really a fan of the show. Jordan, what's your favorite team on Legends of the Hidden Temple? I, I like the Purple Parrots. 
Okay, now did you have to think in order to come up with that answer, or no. did you know that off the top of your head? Off the top of my head. There you go. Green monkeys forever. Like, if you were a fan of Legends of the Hidden Temple, you had a team you rooted for every time. My f- best friend was a Silver Snake fan. That's how you... <laughs> my idiot friend next door was a Orange Iguana fan because he was a moron. Uh, I just offended all the orange iguana fans out there. It's the it's well no like remember it used to be that was the joke was purple parrots were the idiots and then it's no it's actually if you think about it by the statistics statistically orange iguanas I think have the worst win ratio because they but but that's only because purple parrots oh uh, no this isn't really they almost never make it to temple a lot of times I don't want to give the exact number but like if you if you look at a graph of each team that made it to temple like purple is almost half of every other team crazy if you look at it statistically so this is kind of the underdog team that's also probably why i like the purple parrots so much they were the underdog team another fun story from my childhood about watching the show let's go for it there was one episode i saw as a kid where the purple parrots made it to the temple and i remember thinking boy i sure hope the purple parrots win this time at the temple because if they don't they're probably never i'm with not a hint of irony when i thought this they're probably never ever going to get another chance at this again Nikita I legitimately mind. thought that. <laughs> this is all randomized. They all get randomized the color. They don't. <laughs> Not at the time. I didn't think that. I thought the. I thought, man, purple never makes it to the temple. I sure hope they win. Like there's a whole Legends of the Hidden Temple draft. <laughs> we here with the blue barracudas. <laughs> Giraffe. Uh, there was Kimberly. a lot. Of, there was a lot of conspiracy theories that I'm sure are not true about the show. Like that they would intentionally cast stupid kids. And that's why they couldn't put together the monkey. It's like, that is not why they couldn't put together the monkey. It really is like they're exhausted. Yeah. And there was that doesn't make sense. It's much more, it makes much more sense to have some insane conspiracy as to why they can't put together this monkey statue. But it's, it's exhausting. And plus it looks like a big clump. Like it looks like a big clump of clay. Like I don't blame them for not knowing that monkey. Morphous. You have to have a very good spatial relationship with things in order to solve that puzzle. And I think that's why it's the only uh, room that has never changed in the history of the show. The Shrine of Silver Monkey has always been in the temple. I think it gets to little aesthetic changes. I think that maybe they changed the painting on it during seasons. But other than that, it's still the, still the shrine every time. Wow, it smells like bananas in here now. That's probably yeah, that's it is. True. It's a little fan service for the... Because uh, we have no way of knowing what it smells like in the temple. I, I imagine it smells it's... like water. Like, you know, like weird, yeah, imagine... icky water. Like, like Florida YMCA water. Pool. Like the local swimming pool. That's what it smells like, like. YMCA water, yeah. Well, there's no water in the temple, and I can think that's probably for a safety reason because it seems kind of dangerous to put water in the temple. Well, I, there was, so there was, a, uh, there was a fan page that I frequented a lot. I don't know if it's still around anymore. I kind of left it behind a few years ago. It was called the Phantom's Temple. It was basically a forum dedicated to talking about legends of the hidden temple years before there was a movie this was years before kind of the revival came back it yeah, was just a show that was airing insight. yeah this was just a show that was airing on nick gas at the time basically and this is like, i think and i remember dwindling why- down too when it was on gas like it was like it used to be like like on it like like for two hours one in the morning one at night it ended up being like for seven hours straight and Nick, well, and Nick Gass was really like, for those of you who have no familiar, Nick Gass was like this channel that existed. I don't know if you've gone into great detail about it in the past. I have not. You go on. It was this channel that like it started, it had high aspirations for a long time, but I'd say by like 2004, 2005, it literally, it almost felt like they just had like a hundred tape cycles of, for this network and they would just switch tapes every time. There was no care. There was never any like, you know. Tune in this week to Nick Gass for, you know, 
uh, our Christmas special where we show Christmas. You know how like Buzzer does that kind of stuff? Yes. It, it, I Originally, yeah. it was supposed to be a, a sports theme, almost like an ESPN. Like here's volleyball players, here's uh, skiers, snake skateboarders. Let's learn the, tr- the, t- the tools of the trade and overline that with like original content like Game Farm. And then they had like Wild and Crazy Kids repeats. And they're like, well, if Wild and Crazy Kids is on here, you know, physical challenges are kind of a sport. So let's do Double Dare. And it just slowly became the game show network for Nickelodeon with Think Fast, uh, Make the Grade, Get the Picture, okay. You're On. By uh, the end, they were only, they were they were showing, I believe, five or six shows over and over again. So they were showing Nick Arcade, Legends, Double Dare 2000, not, not the regular Double, Double Dare. Dare. No more Mark Summers. Just, just Double Dare 2000. Get the picture. Um, I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. Figure it out and Guts, but just regular Guts. So they were literally rerunning the same six shows over and over again for almost like three years. There was no schedule change. There was no nothing. And it, you could tell that the network was really like limping along uh, at the time. I, that, that was my consensus. And I was bitter because I didn't have Nick Gas until like, I know, actually, I never had Nick Gas. I didn't know it existed until 2006. And it's good if you were like trying to get, if you were like a tape trader, because you can get like a second repeat of all the episodes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it wasn't really, I don't think, what Nickelodeon wanted it to be. I think they wanted this to be a games and sports, and there was lacking the sports, mm-hmm. and, and there wasn't like a really any original games. Oh, well, there was for a while, but by by the time you hit like two years into the network, that's all gone. And they're just rerunning the same things. Or then they're rerunning like promos from the year 2000. I remember they had a, they had this one promo with um, uh, the, the tennis player, the female tennis player whose name I don't remember. Anna Sharapova, I think is her name. Yes. Promo over and over and over again. And this bear in mind, this is like back when she was like in her early late teens, mind you. And now she, by the time this was airing, like she was much older than she was when she filmed this little spot promotional spot, but they were airing that same thing over and over for like almost a decade. See, the one I remember is Maddie Moralejo. What's happening guys. It's Maddie Moralejo. And guys, I just want to let you know about a new thing called sand tobogganing. Have you heard of sand tobogganing guys? You're going to love it. Here's what it's all about guys. The same sand tobogganing thing over and over and, and over again. And they misspelled again. beaches and deserts. It says beaches and desserts. <laughs> and I'm surprised did. Dave Azer didn't run that network. <laughs> hey guys, Dave Azer here from Slime Time. Why didn't they just rerun Slime Time live while they were at it? Why didn't? There's some legal stuff that prevents them from rerunning it. Be wrong. I may, I think you're right though. Um, so we are now in the phasing part of Legends. We have conquered a hidden temple we've retrieved the the prize kirk fogg happy to be there deep badly baker basically had to maneuver a puppet while talking through a microphone at the same time he did great he was great at that and i'm sorry you can't have d baker dub his lines in after the fact that doesn't no that's no 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 you got to have a guy in there moving the mouth with him i can't i can't stand the idea of we're going to dub the puppeteer we're gonna have a puppeteer do it and then we're gonna have someone else do it dub in the voice later just get cgi olmec to talk and then you have I'm an- like I'm anti Darth Vader. What if we what if we for the new Quibi version we get D Baker back, but we give him one of those facial like beep bops on the those little dots to motion scan oh. his mouth so his mouth becomes that of Olmec and he talks and the Olmec mouth moves to Olmec. 
Isn't that how they did it on, um, what was it, Secret of the Crypt Keeper's Mansion or something? Yeah, yes, because the puppeteer is also the Crypt Keeper guy. And I remember they had like a giant skull on that show too. I have like one episode on a disc somewhere I got in. I got it. Thank you, Ryan. Some... <laughs> Hello, boils and ghouls. Thank you, Ryan. That did yeah, win one think... Emmy, by the way. That is an Emmy-winning game show. I won an Emmy? Well, Emmy. Glenn, well, Glenn Weiss, I think. Did Glenn Weiss direct that? I think so. Because if he did. He, Glenn Weiss, by the way, was the director on Legends of the Hidden Temple. And a lot of people credit him. I mean, not a lot of people. Kirk Fogg credits him with really making that show above and beyond what it was in the first season. Like, there was a, like, like we watched it. We watched, like, the scene of Kirk Fogg running and jumping into the pit and doing cool things like that. You know, that's all Glenn Weiss's thing. And now Glenn directs the Emmys. So I think the guy who directed the Emmys is uh, started out directing Legends of the Hidden Temple and Gladiators 2000. Congratulations. You now get to put the camera at, at uh, Craig Mason as he gives the award for Chernobyl. <laughs> What's really funny is when he won the award for best Emmy. It was like best variety. Like he won the award while he was directing the Emmys. So he literally had to turn around. He literally had to say, cut to this camera and then turn around and go, wow, this is a great honor. I'm so appreciative that I won this. Thank you. I'll like, thank everybody. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And great. Three and, and two, turns back around. four. Yeah. Cut back to two, please. <laughs> Close up tight four. <laughs> that, welcome to the world of television production. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of where we're going to end with, with our legends in temple discussion is this. Perfect. I don't Are we going to talk about the should it be brought back? It should be brought. I know back. it's coming back, but the question. I'm so going the to... answer should it be brought. You answer it first, then I'll answer. I think because it, it's such a big studio soundstage, it's real tough, and I think you you have to bring back that adventurous mind. And I think that's just kind of a. Um, I don't think that the, a, a hidden temple kind of show can come back, but something similar. Okay, so. I've been sitting on this for almost 12 years and like, there's no record of this on the internet. So my question is, should it come back? Well, if you can do it right, yes, but you're not going to do it right. So don't bother. But this is what I would like to see. Someone wrote on, on that forum I was telling you about earlier, wrote fan fiction of a fictional reduction of legends of the hidden temple. And it was the exact same format. Six teams go to four teams, go to two teams, go to one team. But Instead of it being an Aztec temple, it was it was it was television themed. So it would be like, oh, it's legends. It was called Legends of the Cable Box. You can't find this anywhere on the internet. If anyone can find this this fan fiction, because I just thought it was the most brilliant thing when I read it at age sixteen, uh, find this guy and give him my information so I can give him like twenty dollars so I can buy the rights from him. Uh, but what it was is it was going to be instead of legends about famous characters, it was going to be you know the the coconut hat of Gilligan. <laughs> and instead of Olmec, instead of Olmec, it was going to be like some, like, uh, did you ever see that episode of regular show with the TV that was sentient? Yes. So you sentient, sentient TV thing that tells us the legend. And I believe it was named, I believe it was named Philo after a certain Farnsworth. The creator of the, of the original, you could say a Futurama. If you... And then, and then it was, it was going to be, about the you know various television themed art themed uh, props essentially that didn't really exist, um, and then but it was I, I only remember like it was going to be the teams were going to be the blue ESPN the yellow CNN like things of that nature, <laughs> uh, and then 
And then uh, it was going to be the same format. And in the Temple games, it was going to be like sort of Temple, like like sort of similar to the Temple games, but with TV theme type stuff. But instead of Pendants of Life, you were going to win battery. You were going to win remote control batteries. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you got two remote control batteries. Congratulations, you get uh, you get two remote control batteries. And hidden somewhere in the Temple is the uh, or hidden somewhere in the but instead of the Temple, it was going to be the cable box. And it even had like a different format set up. It was like shot overhead instead of uh, like from the temple. It's like shot from the side of the temple. This design that he had come up with was like from an overhead type design. I don't know if it was it would have been feasible or not. Uh, but it, instead of temple guards, it was going to be like you enter a room and like the screen cuts to static. Like the screen in the room cuts to static. And you have to use your remote. Like the contestant would have to use their remote to make the static go away. Like you press that the button, static really, goes away. I would say in modern day that could work too, considering projection technology. I know. I'm like, I really. So this is my challenge to anyone listening. It was called Legends of the Cable Box. If you can find any evidence of it, because like I've tried, I can't find any evidence of this thing existing. If you can find this guy's fan fiction, please let me know or let Jordan know. I guess this is my second plug. Um, it was called Legends. I think if they did it like that. They have to give the guy who made that some money, and I understand that's not easy. But still, if they could do something like that, that would, I think, be cool. All right. So, Josh. Jordan doesn't agree with me. I think that could work. I The thing is, I think it's not only, a, I think it's, you're right, it's just too little too late. I like the cable box idea. I mean, they're doing, like, something called Jedi Temple Run on, on Disney+. Plus. That it should have like some elements of Temple, but not fully do Legends of the Hidden Temple. I think that's what needs to happen. And if you were going to do it, which they will never do, because modern game shows have basically polluted what would make this great, you would have to get rid of uh, confessionals. You will have to start with action in the very first like two minutes. You don't introduce the contestants till the last half of the game. They, 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 it's, a well, real, and, it's a real crapshoot and I don't think they can ever really formulate that in a modern day format unless you like and plus it, to truncate to 20 minutes will now be you'll hear Olmec go furthest along in 30 seconds wins and something that I say about game shows is whenever a game show comes back I don't know if you would agree with this or not but this is a trend that I've noticed they have to change something like can you think of a game show that's come back in recent years where they didn't change some aspect of the format in some way or another pyramid but i mean that would just be the host because they did change the format because oh, the, they got the, rid the of the tiebreaker, the tiebreaker they got rid of the tiebreaker yeah and they changed that and then they got they also changed the fact that they have the camera no longer pointed at the contestants now they have the camera pointed at the host which is dumb but that's the thing so if you brought back legend like i said if you brought legends back you'd have to change something in, in a modern era but what are you going to change like what about legends didn't work in my opinion i can't think of anything you want to make it scarier so there'll be real snakes and spiders and oh no save uh, that cheesy shit for fear factor it's that's all they're gonna do i something's telling me that's what they're gonna do and i don't want that i want like corny fake rubber snakes really want to like call someone like please do not like because uh I, I have this trend in my life. Have you talked about whose line is it anyway yet? No, but we do have some improv or on online for that okay. episode. But yes, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be able to talk about it. So when I watch the new Who's Line with Aisha Tyler, you may disagree with that, and if that if you do, that's fine. Whenever I watch the new version, I'm like, man, I really wish they would have called me before they brought this back, so I could have told them what worked and what didn't work. 
Oh, the, I can easily tell you why. It's because they formulate it a little too much now that they actually have a team of writers doing the categories instead of audience suggestion. Here's our special guest, Aziz Ansari. Let's have a guest. Wayne, you're going to sing a song to Aziz Ansari. Like, I don't want Wayne to sing a song to Will Wheaton. I don't care. Pull someone from the audience. Look, it's someone from like, Arrow. You know, the one from Arrow on CW. Honest question, honest question to anyone listening, not just to Jordan. Does anyone really go, I don't think I want to watch Who's Line. I don't want to watch it. Oh my God, Bill Nye's there? I'm going to watch it now. Like, I don't think people are that stupid. Oh no, I will say that's my big complaint of modern game shows is let's have celebrity cameos for the sake of celebrity cameos. That's the Jimmy Fallon, James Corden. Look what I'm doing with famous person. Damn you, Chuck Barris, for starting this, even though I love all your other shows. No, Chuck Barris, at least, like, I knows that it has to be a train wreck. So if you're going to put a celebrity in, you have to make sure they're embarrassed and want to leave the damn show. Do you I, ever watch the pilot for, for a treasure hunt? I have. <laughs> that was so messed Rolling up. Awkwardly being that like, is a messed up show, but I love it so much. I love but that pilot is so bizarre it's like james brolin where did you hide the check like it's like okay this is kind of odd i hit it number 12 for 12 all right thanks james brolin for hiding the check for us <laughs> jeff Edwards is my favorite game show so of course jeff. um so jeff, jeff that guy can host, he doesn't get enough credit as a game but regardless yeah Again, Legends is such a product of its time, and I have absolutely no hopes for the QB for the qu- uh, the Quibi version, the Quibi, the quick bite, the quick bite of Legends. What if they break it up into different episodes, like part one's this? What if they make a whole like Survivor type tournament where it's Swamp Temple game, steps of na- knowledge to eliminate a player, and the last one standing goes to the one and only Temple Run. <laughs> Uh, back when that forum was really big, there actually were people writing fan fiction. And to give you an idea of how crazy the fandom was, and I was part of it 100%, so I'm not saying I was better than it. If anything, I, I fell in hook, line, and sinker. Like, these guys could name specific contestants and be like, you know, oh, it was so great when da-da-da went in. And, and like, they could, they could give you the name of the contestant, how well they did, and they would write fan fiction about this contestant oh, man. as they, if they were... Congrats to Anthony Carboni from the Star Wars show and a few uh, products. I think he's been Rev 3. He was a contestant on Legends. He was a Blue Barracuda. Pardon him. Oh, he got. Oh, yeah. He was in the. Uh, I'm not going to say. Uh, he was in the. No, I can no, say no, which no, episode. No, no, no. <laughs> he was in the. Burr, 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 and he did really well in that episode. Yeah, uh, I won't so say whether or not like he won. version of that. If, if it turned out that like some mega celebrity now was on Legends as a kid and like did really, really crappily, do you think that. Our our opinion of that celebrity would change. Absolutely, you hear all the time about like, oh wow, it's so cool that AJ you know, McLean was like, on guts. Oh, it's, and he did terribly. Fun fact: a lot of people forget that. And I think Joey Fatone was on Nick Arcade. I think so. I mean, they were from Florida, so it would make sense. Uh, so, are you ready for the hot new ending format of the show, Josh? Oh, because I I fully came in anticipating a quick fire round, but I guess whatever it is, explain it first so I know. It's just one question now, but you can take your time on this one because this is a critical question. We're not calling it a critical question. This is really the final question besides what you're going to plug. Choose. Here it is. All right. Lights, please. If you can have any artifact from Legends of the Hidden Temple, what artifact would it be? Uh, the, the, oh, I want like 90. I want all of them. Um, I would love to have the, cause it's the only name I remember from childhood. 
I would love to have the bifocal monocle of one-eyed Jack. Then you will the get reason. <laughs> the bifocal. Oh, do you know that they they would give away the props on Figure It Out? Yeah, that was the the, the one time they gave away the helmet, which I thought was really silly. <laughs> Gave away like the Taj Mahal turban of Aurangzeb. I'm like, no, that you. Why didn't you keep that? If you give it to some kid, that's going to end up in a dumpster someday. And no, most of them end up in a dumpster. I'm so pissed. I, I uh, do you know? Have you done guts yet? No, not yet. Because I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. I'm sure you. I don't know if you know the answer. Do they actually get to keep? The glowing piece of the radical rock. They do get when they, they win. They do get that trophy. They don't get the one that they're holding. That's a prop trophy. The one that they get is uh one that's made with like a, almost like a cool neon glow, and then like a, a sort of filament that makes it plastic to mix it uh look a little floaty. I'm sure they get the metal, but I figured like there's no way they're giving oh, away the that metal is also every- like mailed to them. It's it's they don't get to keep any of the stuff they see on the show that episode. <laughs> Don't keep the medal either. They get they get a gold medal. They get the gold, silver, or bronze. They just don't get the one that they see that episode. That's the prop medal. Get okay. You get it later. Okay. I know on Legends, uh, and you get to keep the the shirt you wear. I know that much because they don't want to recycle shirts because that would be nasty. You get to keep your shirt regardless of anything. I don't know if you got to keep like the aqua socks they gave you though. They should keep the aqua socks. <laughs> I want to wear some of their kids' aqua socks. Uh, <laughs> Damn, our show got canceled because we blew the budget on aqua socks and uh, khaki and. Uh, Khaki uh, pants. What are the mouth guards? Pants, or those or in season one, those ugly yellow sweatpants they would make them wear. Again, oh, no. uh, growing pains. Growing pains of the first season. Season two, season three, good. Season one. A fun little train wreck. Josh, oh, is there anything it? you want to promote? It's a fun trip for what it is, but uh for things to promote. Uh Game Show Fans Podcast with Josh and Danny. Uh, the only podcast that features a guy named Josh and a guy named Danny is specifically talking about the subject of game shows. And sometimes we're joined by and Henry, who tells me I'm an idiot, or he doesn't say idiot, he's nicer than that, but who tells me I have no class for not liking the Pyramid reboot. Um, I'm editing that episode now, so that one's why it's stuck in you my You should frog. just edit that uh, part out and make it sound like you're smart. Um, why, again, have you heard my rant about Pyramid? Yeah, you have. No, you've also told me multiple times why it is. It's because when they say something like, uh, like, a a nudie, like a nude, like a a nude photo or or a penis or some sort of, like, family feud style provocative answer, you have to cut to Michael Strahan giving the, oh, what are you talking about? Oh. I haven't watched more than... A couple minutes of one episode, shut up. I watched 15 minutes. That's all I needed to see. Um, like, I'm told that that's a frequent occurrence. That's not something that happened once. I'm like, okay, well, if that's happening multiple times, then that's proof positive I don't need to be watching the show. But uh, other things I need to promote. Um, my ex-girlfriend. Hi, ex-girlfriend, Brandy. Hope you're having fun. Um, uh, my future girlfriend. I don't know who my future girlfriend is yet. Hi, whoever you are. Um, the BGM challenge is still in effect. Since I last talked to you, there were 11 BGMs that we didn't know. Now we're down to five. Oh, no. The end of the <laughs> challenge is almost over. No, no. Why are you saying that like it's a good five. thing or bad thing? Why are you saying that like it's a bad thing? Like, I want to get it down to two. I want to get it to zero. Um, <laughs> uh, the, I will give him the link to put in the thing. Um, other things I want to promote. I know I've got stuff I want to promote. Oh, the JM archives, the newest addition to the spiders layer studio so i have my my archive where you can hear my interviews with various uh television producers and distributors uh the big one the one that i think correlates most to the subject of this podcast is i interviewed paula beta who was the 
producer of MXC and co-creator of MXC. Uh, but I know that game show fans out there will know that he was the creator of the game show that aired on Game Show Network called... Bert Lund's Love Buffet. Hey! Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to promote. Um, you want to just give Danny a hard... Uh... Danny a hard time right now? That little twerp? Uh, I want to give my friend Danny a wet willy. Um, you know he likes late night liars? To cover it. I, that's You don't have to put this in. He wants to cover it with you at some point. He does. And now I will, I'll put this in here. He wants to cover it. And I will be like, what a weirdo. Puppet <laughs> game shows? Come on. <laughs> I will, okay. Well, even... Okay. So this will... I will ask the question since you asked me a question. You even you have to admit there's a game show that is hated by most people that you love. I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. All right. You want me to start first or Okay, I'll tell you first. Mine is uh the original Three's a Crowd. I love that show. Yes, it's horrible. Yes, it's trash, and I love every second of it. Oh, okay. I mean that's a good oh, so so the I love everyone else hates. The most part or everyone else thinks is trashy. I- identity. Like that, yeah. Identity would be my answer. I really hate identity. I hated the uh I will say I didn't like the um the the We'll find out if he's the next contestant right after the deal or no deal thing. Yeah. I didn't like that, but I liked the idea of identity. That, that's why I, I like Penn as the, like a lot of that work. It just really was just like uh, the slow down stretch out. But I like the I, idea of, I know who these people are by looks alone. That would work as a, well, no, it wouldn't because you'd have to get people that fit categories. I was going to say it would work for a syndicated show, but they don't, they have actually still in the air in Italy with a different kind of format. Really? Yeah, okay, it's kind of like a deal or no deal meets identity, where it's like each of the identities is behind a number, like a value. You pin it, you get it. And then the final round to win the money is they bring in a relative, like a father, a brother, a sister, a mom. Who is this the stranger's like wife? Or who is the stranger's like brother? That's a good idea. And that, I think, works better than what they did on the American show. Because the American show kind of had a fatal flaw in that you could manipulate it in a way to where you weren't taking a risk on the final question a lot of people forget about that and I, that's why I, I like that's what i would say i mean there's also like game shows that i hate that everyone loves you've done it whole yes, i'll give you an example if you want to do that too uh or unless you want to out yourself as a you, you know we won't do that we'll talk about that out uh, i will already i will out i will know i will say it right out. i know which one i would i don't care for match well you know which one because i'm already what the new one are all variants all of them oh Color me surprise it. What about 60s match game? No, I think that's the worst version. Really? It's like the best version, I would say, has to be 70s, like the 73, 74. But it really is just like obvious joke, the game show. No, that I, I, I knew I wanted to bring this up. I didn't tell you. So last time I was on, I talked about Michael Berger. If you're listening to this, I would love to talk to you. Well, guess what happened since then? Did he, uh, did he talk to you? Primarily talked about um, King of the uh, not King of the Storm of the Castle because that's what I wanted to know about. That's the reason why. Uh, listen to my oh, listen to my um, uh, another thing I want to plug. Uh, my uh, presentation I did for the Greater Japan Fest, the Greater Japan Festival on the subject of Japanese game shows in America, and I hope to do another presentation next year as well. Oh, and you know what we should end on too as a plug that you probably forgot is it your Ripley's interview. Oh yeah, I did the Ripley's Believe It or Not. Um, thank you for having me on that because I guess I'm the resident Japanese game show expert. That's, I think if it wasn't for that, that episode, you want to get Ripley's, believe it or not. Shout outs to Ripley's in the auditorium over there. Thank you, Ripley's, for, for uh, helping us believe in the impossible. 
Uh, or not the impossible, the bizarre. The bizarre, the but it's, it's more like the fascinating. It really is like a fascinating book series. Also, it, it, you kind of gave a great story about culture, about culture of the show and everything. And that's what I think I loved about it. Uh, I love talking about Takeshi's Castle and and uh, all the Japanese game shows that came to America in some form or another. Some I know more about than others. Um, bring back Ultra Quiz. So now that okay, that's I'm, I'm calling it now because no one's going to pick this. Uh, if I ever come back, Ultra Quiz. Okay, I'm writing it down right now because I really like the idea of you just get people into different countries and then making them stuck there if they lose. Uh, it was primarily America, but yeah, uh, back on my feet again, baby. I mean, consider and, like a, things like the Amazing Race. I could see that. Amazing Race. Uh, the, this was this uh, again. Twenty three years before the Amazing. I'll shut up. I, I'm plugging. I'm already plugging the. I'm already. This is a preview for the next time I'm on the show. 23 years before The Amazing Race, we had Ultra Quiz. <laughs> so take that, Bertram Van Monster. Take that. Oh, well, there, he's nice. He's nice. I know Josh, he's a nice guy. Josh, you're not, so as revolution- <laughs> you're not as revolutionary as you think you are. Oh. But I still think, but I still love the first four seasons of Amazing Race. So, uh, absolutely. Season five, that's a different story. I mean, like, five, eh. they're, 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 it's like, you know, it's kind of like a, a detour. Each of them have their own pros and cons. <laughs> nice segue. Um, um yeah but josh thank you so much for stopping by and being a part of game shows i suppose thank you for being crazy enough to invite me back on your show come back anytime thank you so much josh for stopping by just something about this show that i think brings the best out of people and i Still can't figure out what is that spark that brings people so much joy that is Legends of the Hidden Temple. But I can't thank Josh enough for stopping by and just going over the top with how much knowledge he has about Legends. And now it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is called The Pricing Game Spotlight. Spelling Bee! Premier Day, Bob Barker era, September 15th, 1988. Number 6944D. Finale Day, Bob Barker, May 17th, 2007. 3994K. Premier Day, Drew Carey, February 18th, 2008. 4211K. Spelling Bee is where contestants try to spell the word car using hexagon shaped cards to win a car. They can also win a consolation cash prize. The centerpiece of Spelling Bee is a large board which conceals 30 cards, 11 each of C and A, but 6 R cards, and 2 which say CAR. To win the car, a contestant must select cards that spell out CAR, either with all three letters C-A-R or with one singular CAR card. The contestant is given two free cards from the board at the start of the game, which is kept face down. They can earn up to three more. These three small prizes are shown one at a time for which the contestant must guess the actual retail price of the mimes within $10 inclusive of the actual retail price. They win that prize in another card from the board. Guessing the exact price at any of the small prizes automatically wins three additional cards in all three small prizes, regardless of whether a previous price has already been lost. 
which was the case on January 8th, 1999. All cards chosen are kept face down, and each is worth $1,000 while it remains face down up to $5,000 for the maximum five cards. Prior February 18th, 2008, 4211K, the game's first playing in Season 36, each card was worth $500, up to the $2,500 for maximum five. The contestants offered a chance to quit and take the cash value of the cards, but if they decline, the cards are turned over one by one, with the contestant given the chance after each one to walk away with the cash value of the remaining face-down cards. If the revealed cards spell out car or a car card is revealed, the contestant wins the car. However, the contestant does not keep the value of the remaining face-down cards if they win a car. If a contestant does not bid within $10 above or below the actual retail price of the three small prices, however, the game is still not over because you did get those two cards at the start, and there is two possible car cards, as well as the fact that each card is worth $1,000 a piece. You can either win the car by finding a car card or walk away with $2,000 or one attempt and $1,000. Until May 17, 2007, the game's first last playing in Season 35, which was also the last under Bob Barker's tenure. The cards were $500 each. The cards were increased to $1,000 each beginning on February 18, 2008, the game's first playing on Season 36 under Drew Carey's tenure. Now, originally, the strips were completely blended into the numbered slots, so there's no way to indicate what cards the contestant had picked off the board, except for closed-off camera shots. Beginning with of October 29, 1982, Red strips are added behind the number slots to make it obvious what numbers have been chosen. A frequency chart of cards were also added to the base of the game board on February 7th, 1994. On two occurrences, March 14th, 1997 and December 12th, 2005, the electronics were broken. The small price of small cards were revealed on price tags. On January 8th, 1999, a contestant named Amy Vittori played a perfect game, getting 1C, 1A, 1R, and both car cards. In addition, she won all three small prizes by correctly guessing the price of the fruit hammock after missing the prices of the rice cooker and the candle hoarder. However, Bob misheard Amy when she had chosen her fourth card. She asked for 26, but Bob placed 27, which was an A, in the fourth slot. On February 4th, 1999, a contestant named Christine Gunther only had three cards. After she had two A's, she decided to bail out and take $500. However, after she did, she asked Bob to show her the one remaining card. Bob declined at first, but wondered if Christina had chosen it after looked herself. The brief pause, he said in dismay. Ladies and gentlemen, she shouldn't see it. The word said card. Christine and the audience were in total shock. Bob grimaced as she saw, as he saw Christine blow uh, the car. That's not really good, Wiki. <laughs> Bob grimaced as he saw Christine blow the car. <laughs> May 23rd, 2014, contestant Lori had four cards, and Lori decided to take $4,000. Her first three cards spell out car, and Drew Carey did not look behind the fourth card. On February 15, 2016, Dream Car Week was played for a $120,265 Aston Martin. In addition, the money slides were increased from $1,000 to $5,000 piece for a maximum total of $25,000. Francesca Pinko got all three small prizes right and therefore got the maximum five cards, went for the car, got a car on the first card. The other cards were not exposed. Uh, on February 19th, 2018, aired out of order for Big Money Week. Spelling Bee was played for 100 grand in cash. In addition, for the money slides raised from 1,000 to 5,000, uh, the B I G spell uh, was instead of car, which was C A R. Uh, four versions. The word car is replaced with the word auto. 
Uh, the word A is given for free, so you just have to find the U, T, and O. One or two card spelling, auto. Uh, face down cards were 2000 Mexican dollars. Uh, Netherlands, Cash and Carlo changes the letters to win, W-Y-N. Four cards worth 1,000 euro, nine W's, nine I's, six N's, two wins. And four $1,000 cards, drawing 1,000 gives that amount to the contestant regardless of outcome. Each face down card was worth just 200. Uh, it looks like there's another one in the Vietnam version uh, with three cards, 11, 15. It seems like this one's a, a one where you're trying to win a Suzuki motorcycle. And then there's one for Caro, uh, which is C-A-R and O. And you have four items to play with. Okay, let's just do the fun facts here. Spelling Bee was played once in the pricing game uh, primetime version. On top of that, the game was won on that version. Spelling Bee, perfect playing. Both cards happened twice. Uh, September 29th, 2000 was the only known time a contestant got nothing but R's. The contestant's name in the episode was Michael Finnegan. Uh, the most number of times this game was played in a season was 32. And I like Spelling Bee. It's an easy, fun, luck-based game, but also has that element of earning based on pricing games that I just really love. And that's why I think we should just uh, celebrate Spelling Bee as one of those iconic Price is Right pricing games. And next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we'll be taking a look at Super Saver. Dollar sign, Ooper, dollar sign, Aver. All right, so now I get to finally do it, folks. I get to finally review the Circle USA, the Circle Netflix edition of the show. As everybody has found out, I am a big fan of the Circle. Hashtag Circle Squad, where are you at? Uh, but no, like I, the first episode came out like the 30th, and I watched that episode and then today, I watched the next episode, because it's it premieres today. Hey, hello. Uh, and it's The Circle. And I have been saying this for a while now. The Circle is the next generation of reality competition show. It is one of my favorite game shows to have come out of the UK, and I'm so glad it's finally out for an American audience. And... It's filmed in the UK, which I for, I did not think that was going to be the case. I thought they were going to try and film it out somewhere in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. But instead, it's filmed out in the UK. Maybe that's what Netflix is deciding to do to save budget. I mean, they're doing that with the Crystal Maze, so it makes sense to me. And it is the, it's the circle. It really is just the circle game that I'm familiar with, played with an American audience, and it's enjoyable. Now, if you've never seen The Circle or haven't really heard me talk about The Circle before, let me explain quickly. Eight people who have never met each other are put in a different apartment building in this giant apartment complex, in different rooms. They have never seen each other, never met each other, but if they want to win $100,000, they have to be the most popular by using the one thing that they have to communicate. 
the social media app known as The Circle. In The Circle, they don't get to type it out. They get to use their voice. And they get to be anyone they want to be. So if they want to play the game as themselves and use their own profile pic, use their real name, uh, be exactly who they are in real life, they can. But they can also be a catfish and play a character that they feel will be the most popular to win the $100,000. Which makes it an exciting game show because some people will be playing it truthfully. Some people will be playing a lie. And you'll be seeing as the as the days progress that some of the people who are trying to play the lie cannot really keep that lie up, while others might, while others might be sniffing out who's telling the truth and not and playing the detective. It's a fascinating game show. Now, of the eight, they get to rank each other from best to worst. And they give a point system. Whoever is voted the two who are voted the best, the most popular, the favorites are known as influencers of the week. It's kind of like the HOH in Big Brother or maybe the only two people who have a vote in Survivor. They are known as the influencers. They get to go up to a hangout and they get to pick the one person they want to see get blocked, which is eliminated from the game. Whoever is blocked must leave the apartment, but not before meeting up with one of the remaining players face-to-face So the person they might see could be the catfish or it could be whoever they actually enjoy being with and have a heartfelt moment, which I also enjoy with the show. Whenever there's a blocking, it's never really a a sad thing. It's almost like a fun surprise thing. And there's these twists and turns around every corner to try and get people clues as to who these people are. Rather, it's like make a poem, paint something or make a cake. And you're supposed to deduct it. Maybe they are telling the truth or this is exactly who the character they would want to be is. And it's a fascinating look that's also very funny. The UK version had two amazing series. The first series saw a guy play as his girlfriend and catfish the entire way and end up winning the show. Second season, uh, they split it. And you had the audience vote, which I don't think will be the case in this version because this was all pre-recorded, uh, which went to Tim, uh, who was this like Robin Williams guy who had a cat and it was just so lovable. And the winner of that season was Patty, uh, this gay disabled Irishman who went in trying to hide being gay and being Irish uh, and disabled, of course. And just try to make sure you just saw him for who he is before he unravels being from Ireland, before announcing he was gay, and then finally uh, being disabled. Because he finally gets to be himself without being judged. And I thought that was such a noble idea, and it ultimately did win in his favor, and he did win the show. This show is a fascinating look at society and the way we do social media and the way we present ourselves on social media in a way that is one part fucked up in two parts actually a good echo of what's going on in reality. So if you think the show's fucked up, check out YouTube, check out Twitter, check out what we do in real life now just to try and be liked. That is what's going on in the circle but in a higher stakes degree because there's a big cash prize on the line. Uh, It's also kind of like a big brother type of deal because it is self-contained and they all are in the house, but it's not only a house, it's an apartment building. And 
unlike Big Brother, there's no real like big heavy stake challenges. There's no weird puzzles. It really is get to know the people, have the conversations, and get to know who is who. And when I thought they were going to make an American version, I thought, oh, they are going to fuck this up. This is this is unless they are, can't figure this out. And I'm pleasantly surprised. What I liked most about the Circle USA is, and I hate to say the term diverse, because that can be up to interpretation, but this was the most diverse cast for the f- introduction of the show. Not just because, oh, uh, race or gender identification, but also where they're from. You had a couple people from Texas. You had a couple people from Chicago. One from New York, one from California, and they all had these different perspectives on social media, which also adds to the diversity of how they're going to handle winning the game, which I didn't really think about until now, is a lot of these people here may not be Instagram models. Someone there is an Instagram model, by the way, but another person might work in Silicon Valley and completely hate social media, and they have to play the game. And it's such a great show to, sh- to demonstrate this kind of love-hate relationship we have with this entertainment that we do now called social media. That I am glad this show existed. From what I'm gathering, this really is just a circle uh, that was just recorded a few weeks ago. So there is no audience involvement. You can't just do a phone home game and, and, and influence the decision of the circle it really is just going to be just beginning, middle, end, and edit their way through it and do some shock edits, I'm guessing, because it is like Survivor in that regard. It's been taped months in advance, but it's a fascinating game. This was the kind of game show I thought would have worked on the CW, but considering the amount of cussing, the amount of oh shit moments that are actually in the show, Netflix kept it perfect and I actually love it. So far, I'm a big fan of The Circle. I'm going to continue watching The Circle, and it is my recommendation. If you are looking for the hot new game show, much like The Masked Singer of last year, this is the one to watch. I give it the I give it the A. I give it the solid A. I recommend watching The Circle on Netflix. This is my favorite game show currently on Netflix, and I'm going to keep watching this. Uh, cause apparently they're doing that smart thing where they're not just binging out the entire season. They're putting it out like week by week, which also is very smart. Uh, cause now I'm going, Oh, I want to keep watching the circle. Ah, oh, but I, that, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for, for ringing in the new year, 2020 with me, Jordan Haas. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to give us the high rating. Leave a comment. What game shows you want me to talk about? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Uh, feel free to follow and say I suck at game shows or whatever you want to do. Block me. I don't know. Um, but also, you can also uh, check me out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Haas for other podcasts as well as fun time calls information. And uh, hopefully, we will continue this next year i have finished recording all of the episodes of this so so if you're hearing this right now i'm most likely sick or taking a break and hopefully recording more episodes 
in the upcoming weeks, and you won't notice because that's how podcasting works. Uh, Until then, I hope you have a great 2020, have a great new year, and of course, the big smooch. Mwah!